Hello all of you wonderful people out there. Welcome to an episode of Black and White Reviews. My name is Will. My name is Lee. And I'm Chuck. There you go. I was just about to say we're joined by a special <laughs> guest of ours, Chuck. Um, today we are going to be doing a long one. Today we're going to be talking about the 2020 release of the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So, 2021. Spoilers, spoilers galore. It's going to be spoiler filled. If you have not seen it, this is the, uh, this is the time to turn away from the movie. Oh boy. Um, first of all, I want to say that, well, first of all, let me get this out of the way. Directed by Zack Snyder, starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavell, Amy Adams, Gail Godot, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and, uh, should I even bother Fox saying Willem Dafoe since he wasn't in the original? Yeah, he was added like, to this. You know, give 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 him a little bit of credit. Jesse Eisenberg is also with Jeremy Irons. This this star-studded yeah. cast to begin he with. He is in Aquaman. He was in Aquaman. Yeah, yeah he was. I didn't he see Aquaman. I didn't see Aquaman. It was reddish. And I believe Red. he's titled as Willem Dafoe. William Dafoe. No, it's well, Willem. Willem. W i l l e m. Oh, I know that. E m. <laughs> exactly. E m. So I'm, I'm just going saying, to call I've got, him. Willem. I found that video of him pronouncing his name. William Dafoe. What? I know. I think it's appropriate to mention at the top of this thing that uh, the production of this movie was plagued from the get-go. Halfway through it, or three-quarters of the way through it, Zack Snyder had to leave because of a family tragedy. Um, His daughter tragically passed away. So he stepped away, and so Josh Whedon stepped in to take over the, uh, the helm of this thing. I'm not going to blame Josh Whedon for what the 2017 version of this movie is. He was clearly told, hey, come in here, you know, comedic levity, um, brighten everything up, and basically make it Marvel. Because, you know, he was Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. That is the sole right. reason why he was brought in to do that movie, and it turned out to be a ridiculous, jumbled Frankenstein mess of a film. Um before we really get going, if the two of you want to give some of your thoughts on 2017. So here's my thoughts. Was it the second or third Matrix when Neo goes in to talk to the old dude? Oh, the architect. The architect. The architect. I think that was, that was the second one. I think. That was the second, second one. Reloaded. And he's yeah. in that room full of TVs. Yeah. <laughs> and in all the TVs, you can see Neo saying F you and giving the finger and doing all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, that's my feeling towards the first one. <laughs> okay. All Very right. good. Um, the first one. I like we referred to it as the first one. There's the original. It's the original. The original. Um, so all I'm gonna really say about this is um we are living in a time where um fans and just people who have access to the internet are able to um really get their voice heard, and when their voice is heard, things actually happen, which is amazing. Yes. Um, it, it's great, but then, you know, it leads to other things. So there's a lot of people who are canceling things where it's like, oh, come on, that's been around forever. Like, you're going you're gonna to make that something else, whatever. But in situations like this, or like we talked before, Sonic the Hedgehog, where somebody saw something, and they're like, that looks like garbage. And, and you know, the studio's like, yeah, you're kind of right. We're going to do something about that. So in this case, you know, Warner Brothers, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Let's just see what Snyder would have done and reshoot, like, what, 40% of the movie? 
So a, I mean, a, a good a good amount of this movie was reshot so much so that it was what oh, like yeah. a three hundred million dollar budget to reshoot. That's insane. To, to that reshoot insane. the rest of this movie, I, I believe it was somewhere in that range. So I'm mean, okay. You're asking you're asking my opinion about 2017. I think that 2017 was a major bomb because they were trying to rush into, and this is my opinion on everything that's come out DC. In reality, um, they were trying to catch up with Marvel. Mm-hmm. We all know that's how I feel. That's how I've been talking about it for a while now. They tried to catch up with Marvel, and they failed. They tried to do their own thing, and it just it didn't catch because they were trying to rush. Um, so 2017's Justice League was really just a big pile of, of garbage. You know, as, you know, I, I can't tell you how many memes I've saved about this, but the best one is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 84, and he's like, oh, that's art, okay. And then so he's staring at the trash can, which is, you know, in, in this case, Justice League, the first, the original 2017. And she goes, oh, that's, that's just a trash can. Oh, it's a trash can. Okay, got it. <laughs> See, my thing is seeing Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, that is one big pile of, and then seeing a picture of the original <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> that is one big pile of. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I go, I echo I mean, the both of you when it comes to that, that movie. Yeah. It was absolutely atrocious. What, um, what ended up happening to this film. Two things that I'll, that I'll say before we move on. One is I really hope this kind of thing is taught in film school. What exactly an edit can do to a movie and how it can ruin it. Um, mm-hmm. the only other example that I can point to of any time anything like this has happened is probably Blade Runner. How you had a theatrical version in what right. eighty two, and then you finally had the um the director's cut in ninety five or whenever that was, and they are two completely different movies. And in my opinion, the director's cut is far superior. So I mean, that was so it's weird because I feel like I've watched, I've I've watched both, if not like all three different versions of that movie. Hmm. Um, and I don't remember a difference. I guess I watched them way too far apart. The theatrical. The theatrical version is very heavy-handed on Deckard is not a replicant. The um, uh-huh. director's cut is very heavy-handed on Deckard is a replicant. So they are very... Com- and then there's are- the other version that has, uh, has a narrator, right? I think that's a theatrical. Okay. Yeah. I think... That's just, it's strange. It is. It's, it's, strange. Very, it's very weird. It's very strange, but it, it, that, that is what it is. It's the only example I have that we can point to of any time that something like this has happened before. And speaking upon your, um, your thing about, oh, fans can get out there on the internet and start you know, calling for a thing, almost immediately after this movie's released, um, Restore the Snyderverse was started, um, started to trend out there in the world. And um, the CEO, let me see if I can get her name, and. Her name is Anne something. I don't have her last name. Of Green Gables. But anyways, the CEO of um, Warner Media basically came out and said, we appreciate that everybody loves Zach's work, and we're very thankful for all of his many contributions to DC. We're just so happy he could bring his cut of the Justice League to life, because that wasn't the plan until about a year ago. With that comes the completion of his trilogy. We're very happy we've done this, but we're very excited about plans we have for the multi-dimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. So this is it. Like, there's not going to be a part two. There's not going to be a continuation of Zack's vision of what DC is. Like, this is 
this is it. And Zach has come out and said that he kind of wants to move on as well. So, <clears throat> which is really disappointing hmm. because there's so many, there's so many seeds planted in this movie to like move on. Like this, this can be considered like the blueprint of how to oh, move know. forward. And just the idea that's out there right now, both from Warner Media and from Zach himself, that it's not going to happen. That's horrible because I absolutely mm-hmm. want this to continue. Yeah, I, I think the way that like the other movies have kind of gone through this, they, they left it very open to do different things and whatever. But this this seemed very specific that they were going somewhere with it. I know. You know, the Snyder Cut. So the fact that I mean. Again, we saw what the internet can do, so I'm hoping that that is not always going to be true, what you just said. I hope that things change. Well... I I hope that, I mean, and that's a lot coming for me, because I've never, I don't think I've ever said anything nice about Zack Snyder, Uh, but after seeing this, um, you know, this cut, I was just like, I was really blown away at the fact that you could take a movie that was such garbage and turn it into something that was actually, like, really enjoyable. Well, um, yeah. So kudos to him, and I and I really hope that that's not what ends up happening. Because why would you why would you make a movie knowing that you're not going to be part of what goes on later on if it's not going to continue? I, I don't know. Fan <clears throat> uh, fan outcry just to you know complete what he started. It could be a number of different things, but I mean. If Zach wants to move on, you know, I mean, God bless. Go ahead and move on. If DC or Warner Meteor, they want to move on with, you know, Robert Pattinson moving into the future as being Batman, or if they want to keep on doing the one-offs, because they had an insane amount of success. We, I mean, we can't ignore the amount of success that they saw with Joker and with um with Suicide Squad. You know, they were both billion-dollar films. Snyder, Did you just say Suicide Squad? They were both billion dollar you... films. Well, yeah. Yeah, but they I'm pretty sure they that like good. It, at they least most they... of those people who spent money to go see that I got their money back because I understand. it was garbage. They weren't they weren't good movies, but the fact is is that Warner Media DC saw money from it saw money doing things that way. And money speaks volume. At the yeah. end of the day, it's all about money. It's not about what the fans want. And if they yeah. found a way to do things and they can make a lot of money, they're obviously going to go in that direction. So that's yeah, unless you're Favreau and Filoni, because they just want to make they just want to make things that we enjoy. Well, okay. everybody saw Suicide Squad once. Exactly, everybody saw Suicide. <laughs> everybody saw Suicide Squad once. Not and everybody. then nobody saw Birds of Prey. I did. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't bother. But Birds okay. of Prey was actually so pretty Suicide good. Suicide Squad, I definitely watched twice. But it's it's just like X-Men Apocalypse, where no matter how many times I watch it, I'm still not going to remember ever seeing it, because I don't think anything really stood out. The only thing that stood out was how bad Jared Leto looked. You know, in, in like the half a second you saw him in that whole movie. But We'll whatever. get into Jared Leto. We will, we will talk about I just want to say this... About this film, I wish they just changed one big thing about it, and that is it's a four-hour movie. If they did two two-hour films and made it more like Infinity War and Endgame and released at two different times, you would have held people longer. 
I think the four hour one I think the four hour runtime works. It wouldn't work in theaters, but for streaming services, no. for, for, for what this is and for, you know, HBO Max and what streaming is today, it absolutely works. You can do this. And you yeah. can kind of see I just I haven't way- once watched it through the whole time once. No, nobody's going to ever. I did. Oh, oh. dear. <laughs> oh, when you were sick. You I just did. sat there like well, with the No, because like, like the tea. first the first part, the first part that we'll get into in a minute, it gripped me so much that I didn't want to walk away from it. So I watched this thing through its entirety. I probably would have done the same thing even if I was feeling well. It, yeah, it, I don't I mean, have this, that type of life. Okay. Well, this really hooked <laughs> me from the it. beginning. Or lack thereof. <laughs> Sorry. I have a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, that that took that movie took me probably Two and a half sittings. Wow. Maybe more. Maybe three and a half, actually. Um, the, I, I think in the very beginning, I'm like, let me just watch the first five. And next thing you know, 12 minutes went by, and I'm like, okay, I really do want to see the rest of this now. So then later on, I watched like 45 minutes more. And I'm like, okay. And then next chance I got, I, wa- I watched like, you know, two more chapters. And then, yeah, I, I like the fact that it was broken up in chapters. For me, that was super helpful. And I think... You know, with something with a runtime like this, that's a really good way to do it because it gives somebody a, a, a point where it's like, hey, here's a good time to stop because you kind of got filled in and we're not going to give you anything that's going to, you know, throw you off. Right. So <laughs> take a break. Come back later. It was perfect. I think the way they released it was was perfect. So do I. So to get right into things, we have somewhat of a cold open. And the first thing that is noticed is this thing is in four by three aspect ratio, which tells me that this uh, is, this is, yeah, this is, okay, hang on, <laughs> hang on. This is going to see, this is going to see a, um, an IMAX release. It has to simply because it's in four by three. Eventually this thing is going to make its way to IMAX. Granted. Are you going to sit through it in IMAX? I mean, granted, are they going to be be... giving you urinals with every ticket? Wow, there's going to be somewhat of an intermission, and there's a perfect place Uh in this movie for an intermission for like you know twenty minutes or whatever for everybody to get up and go out and stretch. But there's no other reason. Batman dancing across the screen. Let's go out to the lobby. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Come on, they they have to update that. They have to update that and start doing intermissions for movies again. I think that's a good idea. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for something like this, for a four-hour runtime, you're pretty much gonna have to. But there's no, there, yeah. there's no other reason. There's no other reason for this thing to be in four by three other than that. And I yeah. mean, when it, eventually when it hits either four K or Blu-ray, it's. I believe it will be in sixteen by nine. I mean, when you watch the movie and you see all of the ridiculous ample headroom that's going on in this movie, it's it 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 can mm. clearly go either way. But you know, the four by three thing is. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool and it gave me something to hope for because I do want to eventually see this in IMAX. Um we <laughs> So the movie begins with death um the death of Superman. He's being impaled by Doomsday and his death scream is echoing across the world, which I absolutely cool. I absolutely loved it because there's no two kids on the corner asking Superman to do his podcast with a ridiculously CG'd off mustache. And it's just, this is, this is the opening of the, because that was ridiculous. The CG'd off mustache scene with the two kids. Have you ever fought a hippo was so absurd. And it's just one of those (laughs) things that happened in that movie where it's like, Hey, comedic levelly Marvel this thing up. 
that kind of thing doesn't work in DC at all. So I'm really happy that that was gone. And yeah, we find out the death, um, the death of Superman and his death scream that's echoing across the world. That is what opens up or awakens the mother boxes, which really clever, really mm. good, a really good explanation. Because in the 2017 issue of this movie, we're never told what exactly happened that awoken the mother boxes. It's just one of those things. It happened. Don't ask questions. And we're moving on. We're not told anything about exactly. why things happen in the exactly. 17 version. No. Why, why anything happened. I mean, the only thing that we understood was one of the mother boxes were, was used um, to create Cyborg. That's about, that's about the only thing they really explained, but Cyborg still had zero depth. Yeah. Or Flash. Or Flash. <laughs> or, or, well, Flash, Flash was the comedic relief in um, 2017, and he is a lot in this movie, too. But Oh, yeah. But he's much and, better in this movie. They he's gave much him better a in this, lot both more of them, in this Both version. of them. Cyborg and Flash are both be- much better in this film. But you can kind of oh, see yeah. the Aquaman. idea. Aquaman okay. had, had one scene that like was really amazing. It was one line that was just, it was perfect. And it, and it added a lot more to his character. And it explains why, you know, we get more of him later on. Because before, he just came off as a jerk who liked to fight in the 2017. Here... Mm. He had more depth. I mean, he even had, like, compassion. Um, and you could see that he cared for people, you know, more than just, like, I show up and bring people fish and drink their booze, you know? Like, when he had that, I mean, without getting, whatever, too much into the scene, is there's that, that part where he's talking about um, Cyborg just losing his family and everybody, and he's like, we're going to make him do this? Like, that's cold, man. Like, that's, that's rough. That's a lot for somebody to have to do. Right. And... It was a really great line for him because it gave you a whole different side of him that I think was really needed in order for us to really care about his character. He's not just some animal, some beast. You know, he actually right. is a he is a, he's a dude and he cares. You know, he just pretends he doesn't. There's a difference. And that's why he's asked. I thought you didn't care. Yeah. I exactly. never said that. Well, right. yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, Bruce is making his way up a mountain. I really wish there was some type of mm. timestamp going on in this movie yes. so we could know exactly Thank you. when we are in relation to the ending of Batman v Superman. Like was exactly. is this days, weeks, months later? Like how how far along in in, in time exactly are we? That's the one thing that, that was, was my lacking biggest from issue. this movie. Hmm? That was my biggest issue with that is it shows the it shows the yell, it shows people reacting to it, and then suddenly without any type of transition there's Bruce Wayne up on the mountain. So yeah, I'm going, exactly. is that Bruce Wayne? Like, what's happening here? Then you go, oh, I think that's where Bruce was. Right. I guess that makes sense. But then he's just there. I'm like, what, did he just, like, fly on some super jet and go all the way over there suddenly? No, like, that's not what happened. There just there was no explanation of the difference in, in time between the yell and where he was. And I, and that it, was it, definitely my biggest issue. And it seems like there's somewhat of an opportunity here to do that because you have... Okay, so you have, like, part one, and then you have title. Right underneath that, put two days later, one week later. Right, like that's it. It, it, it would have been very simple. That's, I would have really appreciated that. And mm-hmm. with Bruce There's up There's a lot on top, of things you could fix with just a simple little bit of dialogue or a word, you know? Just like, it's a good thing I found this adamantium. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to let it go. With that, we get into Why part one. Why does he have adamantium claws? They were chopped off in the Wolverine. 
I think it was. I, I I do think it was fixed somewhere in Days of Future Past. That doesn't explain it. Okay. Okay. Unless you're saying Days of Future Past just negated everything else we ever saw. I think Days of Future Past negated a lot. I think Days of Future Past retconned a lot of things that happened. Retconned. Mm. Like Brian, Brian Singer okay. was able to fix a lot of things with, you know, Wolverine being in the past and then undoing everything. And now you have a whole <laughs> bunch of characters who are alive who were supposed to be dead, dead. From, from, um, from X3. Like that movie fixed mm-hmm. a lot. So. But he had bone claws in Days of Future Past. Right. Yes. It doesn't address anything about adamantium, though. Well, that was before, no. that was before <laughs> yeah. his experiment. Before he met Stryker and all that stuff. Yeah, that was before he met Stryker. Right. So. And he was actually going by James at that point. But he, only his mind went back. He then comes back to the future same way he was when he left. I know. All right, I digress. <laughs> We got a lot to cover here, boys. Put that, <laughs> yeah. Put that. Put that one on the back in. burner. Put that one on the back burner because I'm I'm sure one day we're going to discuss X Men in its entirety. We're thir- 35 minutes in, and we've gotten two minutes done. <laughs> so, anyways, part one. There are no exploding parademons that reveal the mother boxes by way of guts, which is awesome. Yeah. Again, I'm going to do that a lot throughout this review. I'm going to point out the ridiculous mm. differences and how stupid the 2017 version of this movie is. Good. So I'm, I'm just letting glad everybody that you were know able now. To focus on both of them. I I, I am yeah, going to somewhat focus you, on both recall, of them going through. I know Chuck Chuck's got some a funny face on right now, but basically, just for your memory, um, it starts off with Batman going around fighting parademons in Gotham City. Oh right? no! And then oh no! Oh no! Not even. It starts off with him luring a bank robber to the yeah. edge to, to to a ledge of mm-hmm. a building, and it's the fear. They the parademons smell fear. And the parademon yeah, exactly. comes out of nowhere. Batman grabs it and chains it or, or puts a net around it to the side of a building on a rooftop. The mm-hmm. parademon explodes and, and its guts mm-hmm. reveal the mother boxes. Right, which makes zero sense. There's no exactly. sense at all. This, the guts of an alien reveals par- uh, mother boxes. What are we doing? Yep. That was the dumbest thing <sighs> in the world. <laughs> and I, I, I did not like that at all. But no, in this right. version, in this version, Batman is making his way to have a meeting with Arthur Curry. And mm-hmm. again, the difference here is Batman goes into this village without any knowledge at all. They're making fun of him. He's basically the butt of the joke when he's inside of this of the small village trying to, you know, get a meeting with Arthur. In this version, he's actually intelligent about what he's doing. He goes and prepared. He speaks the language. It's all money talk, and they find and in the end they get their meeting, which that's Batman. Batman is not mm-hmm. supposed to be an idiot. Batman is not supposed to be walking into situations without some type of a plan. He's not, you know. Right. I, I've never seen an iteration of Batman where he was the butt of any joke. And in 2017, the way that they did that whole thing just really bothered me, and it bothered me for a while. Like, that, that's, that's not Bruce. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Plastic and- nipples aren't choke enough? Bat nips. Bat yeah, nips? It, no. That is the butt of every Batman joke. That's my, my first thought, too. <laughs> I don't, I, okay, ask Lee. Anytime we're talking about Batman, I do not talk about either one of those movies. 
Like the Schumacher films don't exist to me. They never happened. I I I don't care. I don't care about either one of those films. They never happened. They're not Batman movies. They're commercials for toys. I was toys just about to, to say, are you going to go up to, are you going to go up to Schumacher and say you're dead to me? Oh, wait a second. No, wait a second. Oops. They're, they're not they're Too not soon. They're not Batman movies. They're commercials to sell toys to kids. That's all <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're hour and 27 minutes they're, they're two hour long commercials to sell a Batmobile to a 10 year old kid that's what do those you remember the are. commercials for those mo- for those toys no they no. were epic oh they were super awesome great like I remember the old ones they used to show for like you know Batman Returns and stuff like that and then like the, the, the TV series like oh those are cool but the ones that they came up with when they had Batman Forever come out, it's like, here's the Riddler. Hey, and then here's Two-Face. And it's like busting through little brick walls. And like they, they did a lot of a lot of marketing with those movies. It was very well done. So I do have one question back to the film. Do you think, because my impression is Batman knew who Arthur Curry was. Oh, he, he absolutely knew he knew. was Aquaman. He was just playing off as if he didn't. He was playing. He was playing with him, and it's kind of alluded to in mm-hmm. the in 2017 that he's kind of playing with him too. But it's it's more so here. In 2017, yeah. it's a little bit more subtle, and this one, it's smacking you in the face that you know Bruce knows exactly where he is, who he's talking to, and what he's doing. And which brings me to another you know difference that I love that they got rid of. Again, you have <laughs> you have these people who are standing in the back of this of this hall or this pub or whatever in 2017 and they just kind of part like the Red Sea and there's Arthur with the, the, the boxes and it's like this mural hieroglyphic thing on the wall which was so yeah. over the top and ridiculous. Here, there's mm-hmm. none of that. It's just, I need to see no. him. You're going to take me to him. Here is money. Can we talk? And boom, we are off to the races and they go outside and they right. have their conversation. And... Again, Aquaman wants absolutely no part of this. Aquaman, you know, basically says, I'm not going to help you. And Superman was dead fighting beside you. My point exactly. See you later, Bruce Wayne. And then you get right. You get this motif that happens throughout the entirety of this movie. And it's the one thing that I'm going to say I could have done without where there are these overdramatic song like almost music video oh, type things that are going on right now that's, because you have That's what I was saying. The music was very oddly chosen. So you have this you have this a cappella um song going on and I I guess they're speaking in some kind of Nordic dialect and and, yeah. and they're singing and it was very weird. Yeah. I didn't really there was know no what to explanation. make of it. Like it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Subtitles would have been fine. Subtitles oh, yeah. would have been great. Subtitles would have been absolutely just to great. What they're what they're singing. Yeah, because I, I I'm on the same page. The I want to know what they're singing knew, about. Did the people know that Arthur Curry was Aquaman? I believe so. Yeah. Because he was passing it off like he, they didn't know. Meh. Well, Not what I, got. I mean, they would if they're trying to hide his identity for him. Like you have a community of right. people and like this is our protector. We're going to protect him as well. Like I kind of that's what I got from yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one the trio of those three girls singing I could have done without yeah. not the last time singing we'll him have... off not, yeah, not, well, not... that was just it was just really strange right um but even really... but even just that one part alone of everybody standing there in acapella singing on the beach um just the choice of music for the whole film like even the score that they used I mean not the score but but just the, the songs the actual songs they put in it like there's that one scene where he's standing on the edge of the dock 
and he's about to like you know take off a shirt and jump in. I'm like, who chose this song? Mm. Like it just, I I didn't understand what they were what they were trying to do with it. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't was bad. I think odd. I think they were trying to give the impression that Aquaman is a tragic figure, and it certainly fits oh, well, you're talking about the acapella part. I'm talking about I'm talking about both. I'm talking about the acapella part oh. and the um the doc scene that you're talking about, where you have this yeah, really okay. over the top melodramatic music playing like for him specifically. Like it didn't seem melodramatic. It seemed like it was almost. I mean, from my re- recollection of it, it seemed just out of place. It didn't seem to fit in this movie. I don't know. I liked it. It was very indie. Yeah. It was very indie feeling, just out there. Like I don't understand. Who chose this song? Is this a, is this a, his friend's band? <laughs> well, you have to look too. Is they use different music for each character. So right. you see Wonder Woman's score when she's in. Well, yeah. You see Superman's when he's in. Yeah. The music they use for him in this, they use a lot of that same music in Aquaman. No, I'm not talking about <clears throat> score. I'm talking about actual band music. Right. They did a yeah. lot of that in Aquaman too. Mm. With, I think it's just it fits Arthur Curry's style versus he's not as mainstream as the rest of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say his, his style would be more like Panama by Van Halen. Like you imagine him walking up there. It's like, jumping off into the ocean. I could totally see that happen. And that would make a little bit more sense. You know, if that's what they were trying to portray, but I just, I just thought the music was was out of place in a lot of scenes here and in this whole movie. But I don't know, I don't know I the whole reason. The whole, I, I, enjoyed I enjoyed it. it. Just seemed weird. I enjoyed it as well. It does seem weird, but at the same time, and the whole reason why I said, you know, they're trying to paint him in this light of being somewhat of a tragic figure is because, and I'm gonna jump way, way ahead. By the end of this thing, he hasn't really resolved anything personally. I mean, he's still getting in the back of trucks and like going off and not accepting his responsibility as like king of Atlantis, and he's drinking and he's not. He's not a very happy person on the inside. He still has a lot of internal struggles going on. and That's because mu- this movie is actually the prequel to Aquaman. Aquaman so, was made after Justice okay. League. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. Which they go into it, they go more, and he finds that resolve Okay. in Aquaman. But for me, Aquaman is a lot like X-Men Apocalypse. I watched <laughs> it a few times. Don't care much about it. Okay. Or up there with Green Lantern. So I'm really lost in how this is before Aquaman. Because if I if I recall Aquaman, he didn't really know those people out in the out in the ocean. So I'm wondering if Aquaman is somehow like flash like lots of flashbacks and then kind of like uh, around this? Kind of before and after this? How the timeline happens, I don't know, but I know Justice League was made before Aquaman. Right. Why? That's where Marvel got it right. They they did a lot of one-offs for each of the characters and then brought them all together. Mm-hmm. DC does Superman, Wonder Woman, and then brings Batman, Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman all in and then wants to make the rest of the movies. Yeah, they, they, they kind of did things backwards. Huh? Well, they did Batman versus Superman, which brought Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman together. Yeah, but I thought one. I thought it was. I thought it was Man of Steel. Man of Steel came. Then first. Batman v Superman, then Wonder Woman. Nope. You sure? Wonder Woman first, then Batman versus Superman. I could be wrong. 
I'm almost positive that Man of Steel came out first. No, well, Man of Man Steel, Steel definitely was came the out first. first. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman came out in 2017, just before Justice League. So you're right. Yep. Yeah. But Wonder Woman had a very small part in Batman vs Superman. Right. The and very end. And that yeah. was it. Whereas Flash, um, Cyborg, and Aquaman are throughout the entirety of this movie with their parts. They didn't have their own movie yet. Not at all. Now, Will, (laughs) do you remember that scene that you were talking to me about a while ago? Which movie was it where Bruce is sitting down at his desk and he has that flashback or whatever it is of the Flash saying something to him? That's Batman v. Superman. It is Batman v. Superman. I have to go back and watch it. I don't and remember, remember it. it went absolutely nowhere. It doesn't go anywhere until this movie. Exactly. This version of this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it goes somewhere, but not, but not far enough. Because she gives an answer that Lois is the key to Superman. And he goes, but there's more, something darker. Something darker. And then that, again, goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we're being strung along. We'll, 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 we'll definitely get into all that. So Aquaman vanishes into the sea. I like, I like the idea of him vanishing more than I do of him actually jumping into the ocean for some reason. Like just the fact that the camera cuts away and it's like on oh, Bruce and then it cuts back and you, do, you see nothing. You just see like the wave right. of Aquaman swimming away. I thought that was really cool. Um, you get a really quick scene of Martha visiting Clark's grave. You find out that her farmhouse has been seized by the bank. We know all that. It's really not that much different from the uh, original. Then, uh, again, with the slow-mo music video motif, you know, Lois gets her own visi- video as she's visiting the shrine or the statue of Superman. Um, again, I would really love a reference for time. So uh, then we get into the hostage scene, which is a million times better here than it was in 2017 wonder woman is so much more defined and has a lot more to do it seems like the cg was really ramped up they it looks like they they sunk a lot of money into making this a little bit better she's moving Mm -hmm. a lot faster she has a lot more movement she has so much more character just going into this entire sequence um (laughs) you get the first visual of you know Enemy getting smacked up against hard surface, blood splatter on the back of the wall. That happens throughout this entire movie. There's like four or five different times when this exact same thing's happened to, the, to an enemy. I'm not hating on it. It's just I would have liked to seen it done a different way here and there. Um, the bomb goes up in the air. The bomb explodes. She rescues everybody. And then you're hearkening back to Wonder Woman 84 when you have this little girl going, I want to be just like you, or can I be just like you? And Wonder Woman kind of has that look on her face. Um, I like this a lot better. This whole sequence I, I really enjoyed. Did you notice that she actually misses a bullet and gets shot in the back? I did. I did notice that. I missed that in the original. Saw it in this. I missed it the first time watching it too, but then saw it this one. I thought only her gauntlets were bulletproof and not her. <laughs> I didn't think she was personally bulletproof either, but I mean... Because she goes, ah, and that's all she does. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Could be. I don't know. Maybe it was just her her golden bra strap. I don't know. <laughs> but here's the other thing we have to no, think about. Bullet, and again, this is what makes things flesh. very complicated or confusing. She's introduced in Batman v Superman, right? And then we see Wonder Woman. And no, yeah, yeah. Then we see Justice League. Okay. In Wonder Woman 84, she can fly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, she lassos the lightning. No, no she flew. She, she can fly. She, she can straight fly. up flew. She, she rides the lightning, and then somewhere yep. in between her riding the lightning and her having a fight with a knockoff Catwoman, she realizes that she has the power of flight. <laughs> yeah, and she just flies. She straight up flies. And then somehow, no invisible just jet. manifests this gold suit with wings, looking like Goldar from Power Rangers, shows up, and it gets ripped apart by Catwoman wannabe. It was the Chitara. whole thing. Yeah, that that entire thing was just set up to show that this this makeshift <laughs> cheetah villain is strong and can rip apart this armor. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. And in the end, she didn't See, even. I need thought it. they took a character from the the movie Cats. <laughs> and brought them into Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> it was the same CG. If you look at the theatrical version of Cats, they look very similar to the way they made this person look in 84. It was Memory. awful. <laughs> Anyways. It was horrible. Yeah, I, I didn't was, see it. It was pretty bad. Anyways, we, uh, we cut to Themyscira, and we get the introduction to Steppenwolf and his army of parademons. And again, Steppenwolf looks a million times better. In 2017, he looked like a geek with with armor on. In this, he looks like mm. a proper alien with the armor. Everything about Steppenwolf in this version makes him feel so much more dangerous than than the original. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. But the I, that, but the thing the, I love about that, we we see that he looks more dangerous, but we realize that he's not the big bad. And I think that's what's so much cooler. They made him look tougher, but he's actually, like, not even a number two. He's, like, an outcast for his, quote-unquote, master. Yeah, we're going to get we're And I thought that into, was amazing. We're going to get into all that later, but what you're saying is he basically— And not to mention another thing that I'm going to say about this entire— So it's, it, this is basically opening the way to another battle sequence, you know, Steppenwolf— and the Parademon army on Themyscira, and they're fighting with the um, with the Amazons, and it's this giant battle sequence that again looks so much. I'm not gonna go into a whole bunch of detail about battle sequences. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. They're all you know giant CGI fights, and this looked amazing. I'm going to you know again. Steppenwolf looks so much more dangerous, so much better than 2017. This was incredible, and the one thing that I liked about this was so in 2017 it was seal the gate and try to lock everybody in there and they just kind of bust out and this one it's seal the gate and the entire structure falls into the ocean and then the parademons fly out and steppenwolf is not that far behind which just ups the ante of of how strong this army actually is it puts a it just right. puts this gravitas on everything that's going on and i love that now Here's what you were talking about, how he's a number two or whatever. He actually has a motive in this movie. Like, right. for, for whatever reason, his motive in 2017 was his 
really I don't even I don't even exactly know how to put this 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 love affair this affection that he has for the mother boxes oh mother it's very creepy (laughs) almost almost incestuous in nature it's really Mm -hmm. really odd and in this one all of that is gone and he actually has a motive and he's actually looking at these mother boxes as a tool or 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 something that's going to get him to his end goal which i really really enjoyed this this well i'll say this what i if I, if I may interrupt. Go ahead. What I appreciate is this one compared to 17, not only with the main characters, but even with Steppenwolf, they did a lot of focusing on character building. Yes. And they did that for Steppenwolf in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was just more, and it gave us more appreciation for why he's doing it, the reasoning behind it. And then it goes even further once you go long into the film. Um, but I think that was the biggest thing that changed this movie for me from the original was the character building overall was greater in this than it was in the 17 version. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? No, that's, that's really what it comes down to is they, Zack Snyder probably sat there and looked at it and said, I can't believe they did this to my movie. Like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> I don't think he ever saw uh-huh. it. I I don't I don't think he ever saw it. I think there were um his wife and somebody else are both credited with saying that they 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 basically told Zach you can never watch that movie, and I don't think he ever did. <laughs> so I, huh, I interesting. I, I really hope he doesn't because he would he would probably cry, and I don't <laughs> you know it was yeah it was a travesty. Well, that makes sense though because for me it it's been difficult for me to kind of compare the two because I'm like I don't know what I remember well from the first from the original theatrical mm-hmm. you know compared to compare it to this one that's why we're kind of going back and forth like was commissioner gordon jk simmons in the theatrical i thought he was and i thought we already established that yeah and i thought shuck was looking that up but i, I guess he does he was not but i think if Zack snyder did see what they did to it it would have been challenging for him to actually go back and do it differently because he'd have that right you know <laughs> what they did stuck he would have carried head. that with him yeah. So, right. Steppenwolf makes off with the first mother box, and the um the Amazons lose this fight. It's not even a fight. Steppenwolf single-handedly... Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that it was a fight against him and an army, not just him. Right, but it, it, it was a fight against him and an army, but when you really come down to it, like, <clears throat> the final stretch of what this battle is, Steppenwolf almost single-handedly just, like, destroys... The few Amazons that are around him and just like, well, box up, see you later. And he pieces out. Peace. There's no clunky yep. dialogue about you will all see the love. You will all love the mother, mother box. The yeah. Oh, my. There is none right. of that. It's it's all gone. <laughs> and Steppenwolf just grabs the box and pieces out. And then we get, you know, we have to light the fire and we're wondering what fire. And then we cut into part two called Age of Heroes. Here's mm-hmm. this is just me. I have a thing for I have a <laughs> so Steppenwolf finds a toxic place in Russia. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's some type of legal reason why they can't call this Prepret or Chernobyl. Right, right. But they for whatever reason they don't. Like they never say those words. And I'm just wondering like is there a legal reason why like do, do we not want to make Russia mad is something Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the family um, in the 17 version may have gotten mad. 
Okay, so I'm. That's not in this film. I'm so glad they're gone. I'm so glad that whole thing is gone, because it it just it sets up for what's going to happen at the end of this film, and it's it makes so much sense for them not to be there. So, right, cool. And again, like people living around this area, just like living, that doesn't happen now. Like there's nobody living in that area at all. So it doesn't make any sense for them to be living there in a movie. I don't care if it's a superhero movie. It's just living around a, an old nuclear reactor that exploded just doesn't <laughs> seem like a very good idea. No, no, um, I don't think so. We get the first, well, not the first mention of Darkseid, but we do get Steppenwolf going, he will be pleased and he will see my worth again. So again, like Chuck said, we're we're building this character up and we're finding out that he has a motive, which is so much better than just mother, mother, mother. So, mm-hmm. right? Yeah? Good? Okay. Yeah. Bruce and Alfred are having some kind of discussion. I don't know why Alfred is so skeptical of building up a team of people. It 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 He's like that throughout this whole film. He's skeptical about building a team. Skeptical he's of skepti- everything. He's skeptical yeah. about building a team. He's skeptical about resurrecting Superman. Um, there was another scene in here where he was kind of questioning things. He's skeptical about, well, it, this is kind of comedic, but he's skeptical about, you know, Wonder Woman's ability to make tea for whatever <laughs> reason. Tea. Like, it's it's really it's really weird. He's very weird. Well, that's because Bruce Wayne works for Alfred. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I didn't get that part. I thought that was funny. This is Alfred. I work for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I think he was just being funny. Um, it, it was really funny. I, I love that line, actually. I work for him. I do like, I do like that Bruce is, is, he, when they're talking here, I do like that Bruce is very committed to keeping the promise that he made to Clark over his grave. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to assemble a team, and I'm going to protect Earth, and... Um, personally, mm. I just think Bruce feels super guilty <laughs> about everything that oh, happened and he's just, he's just trying to right this wrong. Um, and then we cut to, I'm, I'm not ever going to be able to call this actor by any other name except Miles Dyson. It's never going to happen, especially in this where he's doing, you know, science experiments on alien tech or future tech. Like, <laughs> this this person is so clearly typecasted, it's ridiculous. And we're going to get into how that makes even more sense later on. Um, there is a janitor who has the most classic Metal Gear Solid, what was that sound? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And obviously the janitor goes to investigate and there's a parademon looking for one of the mother boxes and then we are lighting the fire. We have the ceremonial arrows. Well, actually, we have the ceremonial box, the ceremonial arrow, the ceremonial bow, the ceremonial lighting of the torch, and then come back to me, Diana, and then knock and the bow goes flying. This took way too long. Well, let's not forget the ceremonial pre-fight donut. Oh, no, wait, that's Ninja Turtles 2. You remember that? The pre-fight donuts (laughs) that were filled with whatever chemical that was going to help knock the... um, the, the, the well, not the ooze, but the um, it would it would fight Tokar the, and Razar. It would fight against the ooze. They weren't fighting up against the ooze. No, it would. The stuff inside the yeah, donut, yeah, 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 would reverse the effects of the ooze. Frozen in cubes, in them. But, but anyway, no. So Joe Morton, the guy that you're talking about, um, uh, Miles Dyson, 
it's funny because there are definitely two things I remember him very well for. He was actually he was wasn't he ca- he was um he was the captain in Speed as well, and he had a mustache. So I, I love Speed. It's a great movie. Oh wow! It's, it's a shaky hands for. Yeah, yeah. He was McMahon. He's also the crazy scientist in Smallville. Yeah, you're right. He who has the sh- who has that shake? <laughs> oh yeah, that's what you're shaking for. Yeah, he was he was interesting in Smallville. He was a scientist. But the guy never looks any older. The guys look the same forever. Yeah, he played a scientist in Smallville, DC. Hmm. Yeah, not the same. Not Stone. He wasn't Doctor Stone or anything. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting that they brought him back for that. I didn't. I didn't even make that connection until just now. That's cool. I want to know why Star Labs was in Gotham. Yeah, that was weird. Is it supposed to be in Metropolis? It's supposed to be in Central City. Okay. Okay. Because Star Labs is all around Flash, Flash. and Barry Allen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I digress. So this building is on fire. There are people who are working in some kind of archaeological blah, blah, archaeological lab, and they're all in a fluff about this thing burning down, and Diana sees it. She knows exactly what it is. She makes her way to it, and she ends up in this cave that's pretty much beneath it. It's like a cathedral. And um, it's really... I'm not the biggest fan of exposition, but if there's any movie that needs it, it is this movie. There are all these hieroglyphics and the story of the mother boxes and Darkseid and Defenders of the Earth and how they were triumphant over, you know, this evil. And it makes a lot of sense. We got none of this in 2017. This is all new. Everything about Darkseid, everything about this army, everything about the mother boxes and their nature and how they function. Everything that is explained in this movie surrounding this is brand new. None of this was in 2017. And I think if it was in 2017, that movie would have been a little bit better. Yeah, no, definitely. It would have made a lot more sense. Okay. So uh, we cut to Aquaman. He's, again, saving a fisherman. Um, No real difference. The one difference here, though, I I will say is, again, the choice of music when he's saving the fisherman and the the, the slow-mo motif of everything that's going on. That's like kind of Zack Snyder's stamp on on everything. He gets delivered Mm -hmm. to a bar. So in 2017, this bar scene is much more comedic. Here, it's a yes. little bit more serious in tone. Tell him to respect the storm next time. And it's very matter-of-fact. Like, I, I feel like Aquaman in 2017 was another com- comedy relief character, kind of like Barry Allen. Um, here, it's not the case. He's a much more serious no. character, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, so we get another, uh, again, the dark scene that we were talking about earlier. I- I'm, I'm sorry, the music choices for him, to me, are a little bit melodramatic. Um, he takes off his shirt, which is clearly for the ladies. He is, he is very, very cut. I'm very jealous. I will never look like that. Um, nope, you won't. <laughs> I will, but, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm almost there. Of course you are. I, I mean, like, the beard and the hair. The, the <laughs> <laughs> Only the beard and the hair. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, the rest of right. me looks like Jack Black. <laughs> so, we're under the sea. It is, it, okay, so the throne that he's looking at when he's underwater, is that his father? 
It's yes. a statue of his father. Okay, because oh, I was under yes. the impression that his father was human. His grandfather. His grandfather's human. No, no, no. His his grandfather on his mother's side. His grandfather on his mother's side is human. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Is 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 the is the dude there underwater? Okay, so that's not his father. Not not his father. No, his father. I mean, because that would just totally retcon the entire movie Aquaman. Okay, good. Because I was thinking, I'm like, no, Who his is his this? father. His father's Boba Fett. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean Tamura Morrison. <laughs> okay, again, I, n- I never saw Aquaman, so I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 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 Django Fett, uh, Tamura Morrison, okay. Uncle Fester. <laughs> Every conversation. Every conversation. Every con- Thank you very much. Every conversation. <laughs> so, uh, Aquaman and Willem Dafoe have a heart-to-heart. They're talking about, you need to take up your mantle as king, and you need to accept your responsibilities, and these mother boxes, and blah, 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 and you have to... And Aquaman wants... Huh? These mother boxes. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> it just sounded like you were it sounded like you were going into a little Sam Jackson there for a bit. Okay. And they're having that yeah, they're having that conversation and uh Aquaman wants absolutely no part of this, even after he hears about the world's appending doom, he just wants to kind of be left alone. It speaks volumes about his character again that he wants nothing to do with anything. He just kinda of wants to be left alone. I completely understand that feeling. Um Okay, so we get we get a lot of big big information in the next scene, where Steppenwolf it is revealed that his motives is to basically go home. He just wants to go home, and he wants to be back by Darkseid's side. Um, we find out that there was some kind of betrayal. We're never really told what that betrayal was. I'm very curious to know what that is, and <laughs> the price, the debt that Steppenwolf has to pay in order to get back into Darkseid's good graces is 50,000 worlds. When, <laughs> when, when dude on this long-distance phone call tells him, hey, 50,000 worlds, you can come back home, the look on Steppenwolf's face just sinks. He looks so defeated, like, how am I going to get 50,000 worlds? You know, I, I always <laughs> say that the making of any good superhero movie is to have a de- half, halfway decent villain that you can actually mm-hmm. somewhat sympathize with. This guy just right. wanting to go home and the impossibility of 50,000 worlds before that's even a remote possibility is just is staggering. And I really, I loved it. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's the whole reason why finding the anti-life yes. was, was, huge. Is, it was, it was a huge Big thing. Deal. Like, that's his way home. <laughs> can I say this too? You mentioned the long distance phone call. <laughs> the way he actually communicates in this with that stone... Yeah. thing of whatever it is yeah that metal i enjoyed that much better than your average your typical hologram right yeah, so it was, much cooler it was really cool it was out of the box it was cool the way they had like the fire coming out of it or the mm. lava whatever it was yeah well it was it was molten metal is what that whole thing was. That it was, was it was metal and it was like melting to in order to be a communicator so cool and it was creative and it was out of the box compared to your typical everything else that they do <laughs> I enjoyed that. It was out of the mother box. That's what it was. Three so more Diana, hours of this. Yeah. Diana and Bruce have <laughs> sort of an 
exposition powwow that's going on, and it's absolutely needed. They talk about the boxes. They talk about Darkseid. They talk about the war and how the, the heroes of Earth all united to fight, you know, one common enemy. For whatever reason, the guy from 300 is standing here. I really didn't understand yeah. that. He looks like he has was no that... business. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting it for him to like, yell I was like, Sparta. wait a second. I'm pretty sure 300... <laughs> would not fit here, but but he's there. Um, you get multiple. Somebody should have told you know, him this is not Sparta. You get multiple Green Lanterns, which was really awesome to see. I mean, this again. Yes. I'm not a fan of exposition, but in this world, in this universe, in this movie, it is absolutely needed, and I loved that I got that. It adds so much to to oh, yeah. to what's going on right here. This was amazing. Totally. This was absolutely incredible to see. Totally and goats. Yeah, and that is the end of part two. We move into part three. Beloved mother, beloved son. Barry Allen, if there's any character in this movie that this whole slow motion music video motif is necessary, or at least understandable, it's with Barry Allen because of just, you know, the speed force. So this makes absolute sense. Um, He's applying for a job to be a dog walker. He makes eye contact with a really pretty girl. And Iris, Iris West. West Allen. Oh, Iris West. Hmm? Iris. It's Iris West. Okay. It's, his, it's Barry Allen's love interest. Oh, okay. I don't know much about Barry Allen, so. They he actually end up getting married. Yeah, so she becomes <laughs> Iris West Allen. Oh, really? So right. they end yep. up getting married. Well, in the, in the TV, sh- the DC TV show Flash... It takes what six seasons? They well, they they actually grow up together and live yeah, it's together. A, it's a weird thing. He gets adopted by her dad, who's like, you know, on the police force, and he raises them together from like when he was nine years old up. But he always had this major crush on her, which is like his adopted sister. But yet nobody finds it creepy at all or weird that they're like romantically entangled later on and then eventually married. But, okay. <laughs> eh. I like this version of Flash better, to be honest. So do I. Uh, I, I do now, because the show itself is really just losing me. Well, the reason why I like this, and they don't show this at all in the, seven, in the original version, is Barry Allen is Barry Allen even as the Flash. Oh, yeah. He doesn't change. No, he's the same. He just wears a suit. He's, he's tripping. He's falling into things. He's clumsy. All of these things. Like, you get Superman. You have Clark Kent, who's that way. But then you have Superman, who's not that way. Right. And all of their alter egos are always different. Even Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Two very different characters. Mm. Flash and Barry Allen in this one are the same. I found there's him no much, difference. Well, I, I found don't him much, see much more of a difference in, in the D, in the Arrowverse show either. I don't see much of a difference between Barry Allen and Flash. It's just you know he he wears a mask and hides his identity. At one point he was like vibrating his voice so he would sound different too in his whole body, so people couldn't see him. He was just a blur, which was kind of cool, especially when he was face to face with Iris or anybody else that he knew. But he was very serious in the Arrowverse too. In this one, he's not. Well, the Arrowverse is very serious, and that's why a lot of people didn't like it because they basically turned the Green Lantern, or sorry, the Green Arrow, um, from what he was. I mean, Green Arrow was like a witty little wisecrack, not wisecracking, kind of like playful 
dude and they turned him into Batman. Right. They turned him into Bruce Wayne and Batman in the Arrowverse and a lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it cuz I'm just like, "Eh, if you're not going if you're not going to give me a Batman show, I'll take this." Yeah. You know, I and it. I enjoyed it. But I, I found him much I found Barry Arrowverse. Allen much more annoying in 2017. The whole Me too. The whole extended dialogue about brunch really turned me off on that character in 2017. What is brunch? It was, it, it was so stupid. I'm sorry. It was so ridiculous and unnecessary. It did and fit just, his character, though. Hmm? They took it out, though. They took it out. They took it out here. I like that they yeah. took it out. Yeah, I know. It did fit his character, though. I like the snack hole. The snack hole line I liked. That was in the original, too. He's like, I'm, I'm a snack hole. Yeah. Right, but I liked it. But still, they kept the greatest line. The only part that I remember being great was like, what's your superpower again? I'm rich. I'm rich. <laughs> rich and nuts. <laughs> Every time. So, For yeah, those this... of you who have not seen it, um, Pete Holmes does his impression of Batman. And he's got a ton of videos of it. One of the funniest ones is it's Batman and Superman on the roof. And... His impression of Batman is basically making fun of Christian Bale's Batman voice, just the guttural, hey, what are you doing? Like, and he's like, he's like, you're awesome. You could, you've got like every power. I've got literally no superpowers. I'm basically just rich and nuts. Yep. Rich and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's such a, a great caricature of, of Batman. But anyway. Check it out if you get a chance. Pete Holmes, Batman stuff. It's just, it's hilarious. It's all one of those, is it college humor or funny or die or one of those? Yeah. So I the rescue again. scene, this, this rescue scene was actually kind of cool. The way that, the slow motion thing, I'm a sucker for things like that. For um for the way that, that time works and time travel and everything. And I'm going to say oh, yeah. this right off the bat. That's why I love who Quicksilver. Who would have thought, who would have thought that a DC movie would use a time travel mechanic and it's actually rooted in science and it works and it doesn't break the movie. This is, this is insane that I'm saying this about uh, a DC me? film. <laughs> Cause I know the flash. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I, okay. I thought that. Okay. <laughs> if you, yeah, if, if you know the flash, that's why I enjoy watching the show, the flash, because there's a lot of time travel involved in it. Flashpoint's a real big deal. It's not just like one time. Like, Barry continuously in the show, his biggest thing was his mom was killed when he was young, so he always wanted to go back and fix that. Huh. You know? And that's what created Flashpoint. Trying to save his mother. Right. But to your point, Will, and, and that's this... why his father's in prison, just so you know, Will. His father's in prison because they thought that he killed the mother. No, I, I get that. the mother that. was actually killed by, yeah. The, the mother was actually killed by the reverse flash or ah. Dr. Zoom or whatever you call him. And HG Wells, HG Wells, HR Wells, HD Wells, Wells. <laughs> no, but to your point, Will, with the rescue scene, they did a really good job with this. What I like is it takes very little for him to move her. He's oh, yeah. not, he's not actually touching her. No, he's just guiding things around. He barely. And I love the little hot dog slip. Yeah, yeah. the hot dog slip was really. <laughs> I funny. saw the hot dogs coming. Like, oh, is he hungry? <laughs> the hot dogs. I, again, but you I'm... know what's really funny? This is really funny, and I I read this earlier, either yesterday or today. So you know how when he goes out there to go save her as the car is tumbling over, 
he goes through the glass, he puts his finger out, and he just, like, the glass just shatters. It's a really beautifully done scene, really cool. I'm, I'm a little surprised they didn't make it, like, wiggle a little bit more before it shattered, because that would have been kind of cool. He's going so fast, he's kind of phasing through, um, which is something that he can do. Yeah, um, I would, But I the reason why they did it that way is because Flash no longer works on Windows. Anyways, yeah, the whole the whole thing, and I was actually about to say something about the glass. It looked like he didn't even touch it. It looked like he just kind of put his finger out, and the the electric spark that was kind of flinging off of his finger was actually what broke everything, and I thought that was really cool. I thought that we, everything about Barry Allen in this movie I like a lot better than 2017. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we cut back to Steppenwolf, who has a mind-reading spider, and he's interrogating Atlanteans. It, the yep. whole thing, the whole thing behind this spider is actually really cool. I like it. I like it's not the typical mind reading device, or it's not like telepathy or anything like that. It's like I am going to look at the structure or whatever it is, wherever the mother boxes are, and I'm going to find it that way. So it's just like this image. It's not straightforward, and I think that's that's really clever. It's a really cool way to do things. Then we yeah. get to Cyborg, who was criminally robbed in 2017. His entire character was nerfed in that movie, in my opinion. And okay, so you look at Marvel, right? And the way that they set each one of their characters up with their own movie. And then you look at DC and they're giving these overdramatic uh, introductions. I kind of like this way a little bit better. In some cases, I don't think you need an entire movie to introduce a character. Like, the original mm. Thor movie, while I like it, did you really need it to establish that character? Did you really need a two-hour movie to establish Thor? Nah. You could have, you could have, I mean. to see him getting hit by, hit by a van. Sure. Like, repeatedly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, anyways. So, yeah, Cyborg, he gets somewhat of a halfway decent introduction in this movie. You find out so much about his background. He was a captain of the football team. He's a genius hacker. He mm. has an absent father. He has a very loving mother. There was a car wreck. His mother dies. Um, Victor himself, he's on his deathbed. He's getting ready to croak. His father, just distraught, absolutely refuses to accept any of this, and he is committed to revive or rebuild him. He uses one of the mother boxes that's in his possession, and I'm going to talk about that mother box later because it's a problem that I have, and Cyborg is created. And he, you see him going through everything, and he's learning flight. And there's some dialogue over this thing, and it's the reason why <laughs> I will never stop calling him Miles Dyson because what he's <laughs> describing during this um, narration is Skynet in a nutshell. No firewall will stop you. No encryption can defy you. We're all at your mercy. Right. From our power grids to our telecommunications, everyone lives in a controlled and blah, blah, blah. everyone lives are controlled and dominated by a complex digital network that will bend without effort to your will. That is Skynet, like through and through. Yep. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? What are we doing? Like this was just. That's why they cast him. Just, exactly. just because Zack Snyder's like, hey, how funny exactly. would this be? Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's it's exactly why they cast him. He's so he created so a, a half human, half Skynet. Oh my god, um, I absolutely love the when um when Cyborg actually learns flight and he blasts off into the sky. He actually has the helmet yeah. and everything. The visual of this just looks amazing. 
from from top to bottom. So, this entire thing was awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was very Iron Man, Iron Man, very Iron Man <laughs> seeming the way that he did it. I mean, not not to the the comedic degree that it was with Tony trying to figure out how to do it and then getting frozen and stuck up in space and then you know shaking off the ice and you know boo and then you know barely scraping the ground. Yeah, it was a really cool scene in Iron Man, but this was it, it had some similarities to it. But I think the best thing about Cyborg in this movie, which I know we'll eventually get to, but honestly, you know, we can go linear all we want, but this is a long movie. Um, the coolest thing about him is how, how they represented him hacking into something. Mm. So basically, I mean, without, you know, notes in front of me, the coolest thing is it shows him just a full human dude wearing his Letterman jacket walking around through places and then just like looking and seeing things happen around him and he can just like touch things and move them and it's it's the way that they do it is it's such a a strange representation of what it might look like if um one was able to control the matrix that's basically what it was like well it was interesting because he's actually in a world onto himself Mm -hmm. and when his dad's like you can control nuclear weapons all of them at one time Mm -hmm. you see millions of them aimed at him and he just throws them away. Right. Then you see these two statues fighting with each other. And then he goes into this Greek building almost, which is like a bank. Mm -hmm. And it's the world bank, basically (laughs) the digital bank. And that's where he goes into the, he sees the film of this woman who's a waitress and he's watching her life build up. Yeah, and she's struggling and, and you know, having yeah. financial hardships <clears throat> and whatnot. And he just creates digital money, adds to her eleven dollars. Yeah. He creates and gives he her like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he gives her he gives her a hundred thousand dollars. And I love the scene when she's at the ATM and she goes to like take out money because she's been inv- she's been evicted from her apartment. She goes to the right. ATM and she's desperately trying to like do something. And it's like Gotham lottery, a hundred thousand dollars, and I'm like, Gotham has a lottery, <laughs> like really, this this happened. It was just really funny. Oh, to did me it that, say like, Gotham lottery? It says you won the Gotham lottery. You for won the Gotham oh, lottery. I didn't read that. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that was Cyborg's way of saying, yeah, this is without it being weird, without it being suspicious. You know, like, right. Got it. Got it. Because that's what I was thought when I first thought. I'm just like, is she just gonna take this money and not say, excuse me? Because anybody else would be like, excuse me, what's this? Because when they come back knocking at your door saying, hey, where's that $100,000 that we accidentally gave you? Well, they I did think, that in Eagle Eye. Oh, I right, think, right. I think, they established, I think they established that she's a good person when um, the, um, the cruddy tip that she gets, she actually gives it to the homeless person with the dog. Yep. So they, they, they established that she's actually a decent person. So I don't think she would actually like just, you know, take money that didn't belong to her like... But, you know, covering up with you won the lottery. Oh, okay, I won the lottery. Cool. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's just funny that somebody won the lottery in Gotham. That That's, for some reason, hysterical to me. Um, yeah, something good happening in Gotham. Exactly. Unheard like, of. Exactly. Thank you. So, it was... Well, then, you, it, just, you don't want to be careful when you take in money in Gotham because you don't want to hear, Hello, Benny. It's your Uncle Bingo. Right. Come on, that's a deep cut. But I have on. one question though: was when she was evicted, where was her kid? I'm guessing her kid was with her when mm-hmm. she gets the AT at the ATM. But right when she's evicted, where's her kid? 
Uh, I'm guessing that she was. I'm guessing that she got the eviction notice sometime like during the day. So maybe her kid was at like preschool or daycare or something or babysitter. No, she got it. She got yeah, but she was on her way home from her shift. Well, where was the kid during her shift? Exactly, the kid was wherever the kid is. The kid was wherever the kid was, like daycare, babysitters, preschool. Yeah, that's that's almost that's an almost as weird question as if you were just saying. But when did she go to the bathroom? She must have gone to the bathroom that day. It's like Thanks. Well, the kid, the kid is somewhere. <clears throat> I didn't see her brush her teeth. Most people brush their teeth in the morning. I didn't see it. It didn't happen. <laughs> All right, back to the film. Why? Wow. <laughs> Where's the kid? Anyways, where's the kid? Anyways, Where we get the he? scene. We get the scene of Barry Allen visiting his father, and it's almost the same thing. He's working dead-end jobs, and they're going through the whole thing, and his father just wants him, hey, you, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to do this. Forget about me. Then Barry goes home. Okay, two things. No stupid rave music, because I absolutely hated that in the 2017 mm-hmm. version of this movie. And I said this before, no ridiculous talk about brunch. It's just Barry and Bruce meeting and having a conversation, and a team somewhat is formed, and they are off to fight crime which is just great, direct and to the point. And again, I said this before, um, Alfred, for whatever reason, he's giving Diana, Wonder Woman, a really hard time about how to make tea. (laughs) (laughs) This makes no sense. (laughs) This makes absolutely no sense. You would think she's 5,000 years old. She knows how to make tea. Exactly. She's 5,000 years old. You would figure somewhere yeah, along there she would have learned how to make a decent cup of tea. He's a British butler. That's like his, his favorite thing to do. Like, he's like, do not mess with my tea. Like, She's 5,000 years being, old. I, but he doesn't care. <laughs> he, he's, he's Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I guess. That's, that's it. I mean, because I'll put it this way. If it was if it was Michael Caine, you would not be surprised if he responded that way. I would be very surprised. I don't think Michael Caine would, you know, utter stupid dialogue like that. I have much more respect for Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine would not waste his time on dialogue about making tea. I think just the the way Alfred was in this film was he was slightly off compared to every other Alfred we've seen. Even when he's Alfred in Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. he's not this way. He's more mm. precise. He's more on point. In this one, he's a little off. I think he's just old. Yeah, maybe. He's been doing this for over 20 years with Batman. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> true. He's Very probably true. like, I'm ready to just be done. So. Alfred is making some new tech for Batman's gauntlets that's going to be very, very, very important later. His gauntlets can basically, you know, capture and disperse energy, which, yeah, sure. Why not? It's Batman. I I put nothing past anything Batman tech. He can basically build and create anything he wants to because he's rich. Cool. Diana sits back down at the computer. This is one thing that I wish they kept in. Um... Cyborg sends Diana a message that says, meet me here. And it looks like a child wrote it. It looks like something that should have been in Suicide Squad. I much prefer the wake up Neo 
uh, a style of, of doing this that was in 2017 right. for some reason. I thought that uh, was and, a little and bit And that's better. the thing is the, the, way that, the way that he's able to hack the way he's able to hack, I'm surprised it's not cleaner. Mm, like yes. even when it showed, even when it showed the money go into the account, how it had to flash like that, or later on where he was like messing with the ID badge and making that work, I'm surprised that there was like a, like a sparking hiccup, you know, in the way that it kind of it went. I'm like, mm-hmm. huh? I figured it'd be a lot cleaner than that. Yeah, I think it was same. just for visual effect, to be I, honest. Yeah, I, I get it, but <laughs> I mean, I I agree with Will. I think like a like a simple just DOS style wake up Neo. Well, that would, was would have been perfect. That was the way that it was in 2017. The whole screen just goes black, and it's like, why are you mm-hmm. looking for me? And it goes into that whole thing. I thought that was right. a lot better. I thought that was it was like yeah. you said, it was clean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Zack Snyder never saw that version, so he didn't do it that way. <laughs> well, I guess so. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, Victor and Diana, they meet up on the street. All the lights go black. I like that all the lights in this area go dark. Like, all the electricity in this area, just like a blackout. And they're meeting on this really dark street. Victor wants absolutely no part of this. He's basically embarrassed by the way that he looks. Diana goes, you have gifts. You can help us. You call these gifts. And he gets very upset and flies off. And he goes off to bury the mother box that he has... And at his grave, I'm assuming, uh, of what's mm, supposed yep. to be his grave. So everybody thinks he's dead, right? Yeah. Like he has a grave, so everybody thinks he's dead. And he buries this thing. He doesn't bury it very deep. It would be very no. easy to find. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm, like you can you can do a better job with this, man. Come on, you're you're a machine. I'm pretty sure that. And it's even alluded to later when they're digging up Superman. Like you know, we could do this in nanoseconds, right? And it's like, why didn't you do that just to bury this mother box really, really deep so it wouldn't be that easy to find? Like, hmm, right? What's that inconspicuous hill doing near that grave right now? I wonder. Like anybody walking by would easily be right. able to spot that thing out. I just, that's just, right. eh, okay, I could have done without that. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Okay, cool. Um, We cut back to, so uh, cool. his, we cut back to uh, his father, Papa Stone, who was kidnapped by one of the parademons because he has the scent of the mother box on him. Mm. It, okay. That's a thing I now. I can smell your mother box. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just really weird that they give off a scent that he can smell. That that brings us back to that weird, like as you were saying, like incestuous mother thing. That he's like, I can smell it. Uh, oh, okay. And the machine has a an odor. But then again, you find out that these machines, they, they were somehow part of like these three sister gypsy witches or something, which you see in the cyborg thing where he's like facing them. So I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. That's why they're called mother boxes. Right. All right. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, I didn't piece that together until right now. I like, I was hmm. super confused at the end of this thing when he's, you know, pulling apart the mother boxes and... All of a sudden, they just turn into these like white-haired witches. I didn't really understand what yeah, I was watching. Yeah, that was but... brought up in the beginning. They said that that's how they were created. It was something to do with they were, they were somehow created by something. He said like three sisters or three something. Okay. Um, and then that's what they became. You know, so they're like that's why they're living. They're like these living boxes. These sisters. 
huh. boxes, bringing them together is like the unity. Huh. All right. So, um, yeah. Steppenwolf comes for the second mother box in Atlantis. The, um, the underwater battle, it, it looks great. It looks much better than in 2017. Again, the, um, the CGI has really been ramped up. They're dumping all kinds of money in, into these uh, battle sequences, which I really appreciate. Visually, it's stunning. Um, again, what can you really say about, about fight sequences? Like, what really happens that hasn't happened in every, every one that we've seen before? Um, Arthur shows up. I think to underwater rest- fight scenes are a whole different monster, though. Really? I mean, because, well, think about it. If you can punch somebody and make them, like, fly across the ocean, that's mm. crazy. Think of, I mean, there's, there's resistance. You know, you're punching through water. No matter how strong you are, it's kind of hard to punch somebody and, and not be the one that moves, too. Like, if you punch, so if you, if you and I were underneath water and you pushed on me, we would both move, Right. Right. Right, because we're we're basically floating around and with like a lack of of gravity pulling us down a certain way where we can keep, stay grounded. So when you see a fight like this and there's people fighting underwater, I go, "What is the the physics behind their okay, strength?" Okay, so that, it doesn't that, quite make that, sense to me. That right there, I tend to ignore physics when it comes to superhuman beings. <laughs> I, exactly I mean, my point. Okay. But well, that's my point. So you you know you're looking at it saying, okay, you you said what makes a fight scene? A fight scene's a fight scene. I'm like, well, not if you're talking about superheroes, and not if you're talking about superheroes underwater, <laughs> or you know. So there's a lot that's going into it there. So this fight scene was very different than what we normally see. We can see people fighting in the air. Also, another strange thing: fighting in the air, two flying characters fighting and punching each other. How does resistance work in there? Are they are they decreasing? Like, how does flight work? What's the physics behind that? Are they decreasing their their mass, weight, gravity pull down? I, I don't know what it is that they're doing in order to do that. Are they are they willing themselves to stand, like, really strong? Are they solid where they are? No, because they can get pushed. They can be swayed. So how do you punch somebody if you're floating in the air? Can I answer that? Yes, you can. I don't think anybody watching these movies cares. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Which is exactly but, but why I said it, that, I dismiss. So when I, see, I dismiss physics. When I see like, somebody fighting underwater or in the air, I go, "They're not getting hurt that bad." Because if somebody pushes them, they're gonna move. So there's not that much of a force resistance holding see, them to get hit part. Hit where I start questioning this is when they try to make the movie where it's based around realistic stuff. Right. So if it's a real, if it's one of us, and we're defying gravity like that. I have a problem with that. You have Neo doing it in the Matrix. Rules don't apply. Well, yeah, because it's not real gravity. It's the Matrix. Right. But then you have Aquaman underwater. The rules for him will be way different for him than they are for us. Right. And you just go, those are his rules. I know. Done. But what I'm getting at is since we don't understand the science... Okay, so a punch if, in the face or a punch or a push or whatever, whether it's in the sky or in the water, is not going to be as damaging if you were just standing on solid ground. Unless you're Aquaman. Uh, oh, okay. So it hurts him more <laughs> to be punched when he's underwater. <laughs> you're saying that from the standpoint of being mortal. Ah. Okay. I didn't, these, I forgot these you are guys not, were these, immortal. These, these, these are superhuman I'll keep beings. keep my mouth shut now. These are superhuman beings. Like, 
I could understand if all of a sudden, like, you take, like, you know, a couple of Amazons and you dump them underwater and they were inflicting the same amount of damage. Like, that I would have a problem with because they're not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not Atlanteans. Right. It would be complete. Mm -hmm. It would then, then we're having a completely different conversation about continuity. Neither was Steppenwolf. But that's why Aquaman held his own against Steppenwolf underwater. Right. Because Steppenwolf did have some drawbacks being underwater. He was still very powerful. Mm-hmm. But Aqua, that's why Aquaman could stop the axe before it was hitting what's her name. Mm-hmm. And he and Steppenwolf he had to look like, whoa. Yeah. But Aquaman one, he's coming into accepting who he is. He's becoming stronger. Mm-hmm. But then you see all of that as well too. He's fighting in his element whereas Steppenwolf is not. That's that's a, that's a big thing. I agree with Chuck. If you're finding in your element, I don't think physics apply. <laughs> right. I never have. I've always ignored things like that. Yeah. But it's just, when I see scenes like that, again, it just, for me, the, the gravity, no pun intended, of the situation is not that big. Two people standing on the ground punching each other, okay, I get that. Picking somebody up and throwing them, I get that. You throw somebody who can fly, well, that he won't land, so therefore you threw somebody, great. He can stop or slow down where he's about to hit. So for me, it's not that big of a deal seeing people fight underwater or in the air. Okay. Unless they're choking each other. But like, like, like blunt force, eh, whatever. It just doesn't affect me. Like I, I, it's, it's cool to see, interesting to see. And I'm like, oh, that's how it hits them. Huh. He hit him so hard that he flew through the water with all that resistance of the water there. And... Then broke like a pillar. Oh, okay. Well, it's just like when when General Zod punched Superman at the end of Man of Steel, and he goes through what seven, eight, nine buildings. Mm-hmm. That just shows how powerful Zod is. Right. When Steppenwolf punches Aquaman in this, and he goes through all that, that just shows how powerful Steppenwolf really is. Yeah. That's all that's doing. I know. For no other reason except for. This is how strong he is. I know. There's actually Period some, the end. There's actually <laughs> some reasoning behind why Zod is so powerful. I mean, he's a Kryptonian near the sun, and you have the whole thing with Superman, and that's a whole plot point. There, mm-hmm. the, right. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. That's... I, the cool I, part about this water scene for me was when Steppenwolf uses his laser vision that goes all wonky. <laughs> You see that? Like, it cuts corners. It yeah, goes yeah, yeah. It's not straight line like Superman's. Hmm. And they didn't show that in 17's version at all. They only showed it in this one. I completely oh, yeah. missed that. I didn't see that at all. When he has Aquaman against the, against the wall. Okay. And it may, it may have been a different scene, but then he wants to get the guy behind him, so he uses his laser vision, and it does that, like, Broken line. That's really hmm. weird. I didn't. See, I didn't. I miss. I completely missed that. Thanks. Wow. Cool. Huh. But regardless, yeah. um, resistance is futile because Steppenwolf obviously succeeds and he obtains the second mother box and makes off with it. Um, there is then a powwow between Aquaman and is her name Mira? Yes. Okay. There is a powwow between Aquaman and Mira. Again, it's the whole, you have to pick up the mantle, you have to go to the surface, you have to fight this, you have to be king. 
and he wants the Aquaman wants absolutely no part of this. So it's the same reoccurring theme. Um, I'm really glad yeah. to know that uh, was it Chuck when you told me that in Aquaman all of this is resolved because I was really wondering like I wonder if he's actually going to be able to you know overcome whatever difficulties he's having in his life right now. So it's really you know good to know that it actually does happen. I'm gonna have to watch Aquaman now because I feel yeah, like yeah in Aquaman he sings that song I just can't wait to be king. It's actually very moving. I think I think Alan Menken uh, and Tim Rice wrote it. Elton John might have had his hand in it, too. Why? Thank you. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. I can say this. Lee at night is very different than Lee in the midday. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I'm just... I I think it's everybody else, because I'm about the same. But you guys just seem very annoyed with everything I say. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. You're just going off. This is a four-hour movie. <laughs> and we're Maybe about, we'll have to do this podcast in chapters. And we're about an hour into it. <clears throat> Anyways, <clears throat> there's uh, another nice long-distance phone call. And um, Steppenwolf is informing his overlord that he has got the second mother box and he has built a stronghold. The whole idea behind the stronghold, I don't think I like, so it only takes two mother boxes to build the stronghold. Like it's a very odd thing. Why not all three? It only Mm. takes two. Well, I think weird. It, it takes two to, I think the third one would have made it impenetrable. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it takes two to tango, and in this case, you know, they just needed to make sure they had the proper setup so he could kind of protect it. So when they got the third, then, you know, it's, it's the third is when they could um, clearly open up everything they needed to open up. So it's just, uh, the stronghold is just one of the benefits, I guess, of starting to get them together. So, hmm. Okay. Yeah, because the first one kind of created the base. It didn't actually go outside of the stack whatever they were in the second one created the the dome i think the third one would have just made it impenetrable because only a few missiles from batman got him through yeah Mm. okay i'll take it i'll take it all right and with that we end part three we're into part four change machine um we can begin everything with commissioner gordon he summons batman um, and they all show up. Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, they're there. They're having a conversation about the parademons and everything that's going on with, you know, some attacks that are that are happening in Metropolis. Cyborg shows up. They all have a powwow about what kind of cor- what course of action they're going to take. Um, so the hostages from before, this is when things start to get a little wonky. So there are hostages that were taken before from the science lab. Then they're trying to find the final, uh, the final mother box. There's a tunnel that's for some reason under Gotham Harbor that they have to go and they have to fight under. This seems like a really bad afterthought or just a really bad idea to, you know, go engage (laughs) in the superhero fight underneath Gotham Harbor. Am I the only one that thinks that? I think the issue is we know that that scene's not going to be as cool as the scene in Die Hard with a Vengeance. You know, we know no one's going to get shot up, like, through the, uh... The manhole. The little manhole. The manhole. 
<laughs> no, I think the only reason why they did this here was so they could bring Aquaman yeah. into the team. Right. That's what I was thinking too. Solely for just... that solely for that reason. Um other than that, there would have been zero reason to have it underneath the harbor. I don't know. It just seems like it seems like a dumb move for Batman. Like the Flash would be able to escape with no problem. Wonder Woman will be able to escape with very little um effort. Batman there alone with nothing but his toys kind of, eh, you, you might want to rethink this thing. Especially when you get to the end of this thing and, well, especially when you get to the end of this movie and you have the final fight scene and Batman is almost nerfed. Like, he's nowhere to be found during this because, in right. all honesty, what is he going to do? It's almost the same thing here. What can he actually do on, in a tunnel underneath water? So... If it's just if it's just an excuse to get Aquaman on board with the team, I'm I'm fine with that. But other than that, I eh, I I think that could have been done a little bit better, in my opinion. It could have been, but I think it was simply and solely just to have a way to get Aquaman to say, "I'm on board." Okay. Okay. Because he comes in and saves them, and then joins the team. Okay, so. We cut to another part of the tunnel where uh, Victor's father, Papa Stone, I'm going to call him Papa Stone from now on. He's about to be interrogated by Steppenwolf and Victor has to put an end to this and the battle commences. Okay, what did everybody think about this one? Because clearly the two of you have more to say about fight scenes than, than I do. So if the two of you want to take that, you can. I love that they completely changed this fight scene from the 2017 version. I love that Victor sees his dad, wants to save his dad, mm. jumps in. I love the additional mechanical arms that he has from his back. Yeah, that was new, huh? Mm-hmm. That was new. Yeah. That was new. I love the fact that Very Flash, Iron Spider. Yeah. Flash was not, I got to save them one at a time. Got to save them one at a time. And then he just in and out, in and out, in and out. <clears throat> um. I love that Batman does do a little bit of fighting in here. And then the scene when Flash is getting everybody out of the building and the building starts falling and you see just lightning and then him doing flashes, saving everything. Yeah. That was cool. Yes, that was. Yeah, the debris falling. That was really awesome. That was really cool. Um, And then I love the, oh, the sword woman. And other than that, the fight scene was great. Wonder Woman versus Steppenwolf, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It was epic. It was epic. It was fantastic. Um, And then when Batman asks for the Nightcrawler, that was (laughs) the scene, right? Yes. Yes. And Alfred goes, I thought you'd never ask. No, and then really- that I thought that I thought overall it showed the strengths of each character yep. very well in this fight scene. Big time. Yeah, I think <clears throat> what it comes down to too is like we see Barry Allen in in the in the 2017. He is basically I don't want to say useless, but he never he came to the team just just being a fast guy. 
who happened to have like armor for whatever reason why he yes. had that but Sp- yet in speed this- skating Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, ice dancing. Ice dancing. Uh, extremely competitive ice dancing. Um, yeah. So, but we we see here, like right off the bat, where he saves Iris earlier. Um, it's like, oh, good. So he knows how to save people already. It's not something new to him. Mm-hmm. But in the t- 2017, he was just fast. Right. Nothing. He had no motivation to help people. No motivation to be like a hero at all. But you know in this he has so he's able to do things more here and i like that because before he was just that that jokey kind of like hey can right. i help guys <laughs> uh, yes. what do i do and where he, they actually made him funny in this part when he comes in and he comes face to face with a parademon and he quickly and speeds from one hiding spot to the next to the next and he's right in front of the parademon the entire like he's in the corner <laughs> of the door then he's against the wall. Yeah. But he's just speeding like two <laughs> feet away. <laughs> I was like, that's Barry Allen as Flash. Right, right. No, it was awesome. It was and beautiful. I also, I also like that he's a lot more confident in this version of the movie than he was in the first one. Right. Like, leaps and well, bounds. When, even when he explains sure the whole thing about going to speed of light and being able to, to kind of go back and change things, like... It's like, that's a rule I have. I can't break that rule. Yeah. I really, really like that. Like, they, they found a way to establish his character enough just for him to be in the movie, but not too much where he doesn't have anything he can build on in the, in the movie that's coming out. So right. it, was a, it was enough of a backstory to kind of understand who he is, but it was not too much. So the one thing... I love, the, that, he's the, I love that he's the Peter Parker to DC. Pretty yeah. much. Oh, yeah. Pretty totally. much. So the one thing that I will say about the scene, about Barry Allen in this scene, um, in 2017, there was a line that I really did enjoy. And it's where Barry was like, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, my God. And Batman's just like, just save one. I did like that in 2017. And I understand why it wasn't here, because it would have contradicted the character. But it would have contradicted because of how he saved exactly. Iris earlier. That's exactly. Why, yeah. It would have contradicted the character in this. But I, I will say that, like in twenty seventeen, that was a really, that was a really cool addition. Like just say, like the whole implication. Well, not impl- the whole premise behind just save one, and you'll know what to do next. Like the way that that can build up a superhero or build up confidence in somebody much younger than Bruce Wayne, it speaks volumes to me. And that was something that I really enjoyed from that. I don't want to just dog on 2017 entirely. You know, there are some things from that movie that I did enjoy. And that was just, that was one of them. So I really, um, I really liked that. You, you enjoyed and, something in comparison to this one? Yeah, the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, finally, we get to... Uh, the final standoff where Steppenwolf is like alone at the one end of the tunnel and he just uses one of the missiles from the Nightcrawler to blow a hole in this vent and water starts pouring in. And like Chuck said, this is where we get Aquaman and Cyborg hacks into Batman's toy and essentially Mm -hmm. saves everybody from this flood. And I it's okay. I got it from here, Alfred. Uh, who are you? <laughs> exactly. And I like this. And like I said before, where there is a perfect place for an intermission, it would be here. Like if you're going to split mm-hmm. this, like in, like Chuck said at the beginning Ooh, of this, like 
if What's you are happen? going to yeah. if you are going to break this up into two parts, this is the part where you do it because it's almost perfectly at the two hour mark. So that's exactly what I said. Okay, cool. I said, they, mm-hmm. and my thought yeah. was release it in two different parts versus an intermission. But this would have been the final end scene. This is this is it. This is yeah. it because this then, fight sequence. I went back and I watched it again. <laughs> this fight sequence. It's almost twelve minutes. It's perfect right. for the ending of, you know, hey, here's the final big battle and our heroes lose. Steppenwolf makes off with, you know, does he? no, he doesn't even make off with the mother box here. He just kind of wins and defeats our heroes and he's off mm-hmm. to do right. whatever he's going to do. And our heroes are left in peril. And are they going to be able to escape? And oh, my God. Oh, my cyborg pieced out. Where's he going? End credits like this would have been perfect. Yeah, this would have been. That's why I said it would have been the perfect in the beginning of the of the podcast. It would have been the perfect Infinity War Endgame style release. This would have been the end of this one. Like, at the end of Infinity War, as I like to call it, Xfinity War, um, you you leave, the, the, the heroes are all, we lost. Yes. To come back and gain the victory in the second part. Mm-hmm. This would have been the perfect setup for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But then the thing is, at that point, it would have been too on the nose with Marvel. Yes, that's, that's what I was that. thinking, too. It would have been very on that's the nose. That's true. It would have been very on the nose. Oh, they're just... And everybody would have complained, oh, they're just copying Marvel now. Right. That's exactly Yeah, Marvel's the one copying DC constantly. I mean, every character Marvel has is a replica of a DC character. Not as, not as much as Deathstroke and Deadpool. Come on, Slade Wilson and Wade Wilson? That's the biggest joke I've ever heard. That that is come on. Kara Danvers and Carol Danvers. <laughs> okay. Supergirl and Captain Marvel? Way before those two. Come on. <sighs> same colors, same same colors. <laughs> Almost the same uniform. <laughs> same powers. Eh. Anyways, Marvel and, stole it. Yeah, but she's not an alien. Carol Danvers is not an alien. Continuing on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if we're continuing with the theme of where to break this movie up, it also sets up perfectly for the beginning of what the next movie would be or what the next act of this movie would be if we were doing intermissions. Because a, a whole new... um concept is introduced in the next scene so steppenwolf uh goes back to his you know stone tablet and there is a message for him and he gets this flash of a vision of either a vision or one of uh dark side's memories i haven't decided on which one this is yet but it's basically of the anti-life equation that's you know embedded somewhere in earth and that's revealed to steppenwolf here and he reports this back to dark side um, which was is it really a vision, cool. or did he was he transported there somehow? I think okay. So my my theory is it was a vision of one of Darkseid's memories because he was here before and he saw it before, which is really weird because for whatever reason the movie tells us that Darkseid saw the anti life equation on Earth while he was in battle with, you know, the whole Age of Heroes thing, but for whatever reason, he can't find his right. way back to Earth, which is really confusing. It doesn't make any sense. Right. 
So I'm I'm guessing this is just I'm guessing this is a vision of one of his mem- memories. Well, because that's how I, cause the way I took it was you had the original when 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 Darkseid comes down and drags his fingers through the sand and creates and then hits his axe and creates the equation and then he fights everybody. You know, he fights, well, he fights Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DC's version of Thor. Um, he fights all these guys, but then in this part, Steppenwolf goes back or he is transported there somehow, whether it's in his mind or in reality, hmm. he drags his fingers through the sand the same way Darkseid does. Right. And then sees the anti-life equation. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was in his memory or Darkseid's memory or if he was physically transported there for a quick moment. Mm. I don't maybe, know. Maybe maybe all of the above. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or the mother boxes did something that showed him this. It makes yeah, sense. I thought it was that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was just a vision that he was having. Okay. Like he was just struck with a vision. Huh. Probably from the mother boxes. Probably from the mother Maybe. boxes. And you said that he created the anti-life equation. I was under the impression that the anti-life equation was just revealed to him. Like the anti-life equation yeah, has revealed. always been on Earth. And it was just right. like, I'm going to hit ground now with my axe and reveal what is under it. What is this? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. I can see that. He stumbles across it without even exactly. realizing it. He stumbles, yeah, he stumbles right. across it. Which, which I mean, it's a, it's tropey, but you know it makes sense. Um, yep. While a couple of minutes ago we were on the whole thing about you know things that are being copied between Marvel and DC, and it's very interesting that you brought that up because so our Justice League they are having a little powwow, get together about what their next course of action is going to be. Uh, Aquaman points his finger at Cyborg. How do we know you're not working with him? And there is some kind of backstory given about this mother box. And essentially, the Nazis found it. We've done this before. <laughs> this is this has been done before in um, Nazis. Uh, the first Avenger. <laughs> Nazis. It was the Nazis. Why is it always the, Na- the, the Nazis found the box and they buried it, and now we have She's it. one of them. Hmm? But the Nazis were working with Hydra. Well, Hydra was was <clears throat> hidden within the Nazis. If you're going to compare it to Marvel, when they did Endgame and Captain Marvel comes onto the scene and they all question her, mm-hmm. the way they're questioning Cyborg right. in this moment. Yes. You could do that too. You could absolutely do that. I was just saying like the Nazis found one of the stones and it was kind of in their possession True. and then within Hydra's possession and now the Nazis found one of these boxes. <laughs> But the Nazis are always the bad guy when you date it back to, in every good movie. It's like, who's the bad guy? The Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis. Anyways, so, oh my god. So we get the first mention of the uh, the mother boxes being somewhat of a change machine. And essentially the way this goes is match plus house equals ash. And ash plus ah. box equals Superman. That's basically what they. That's basically what they come to. Am I am I wrong here? Yeah, it's what it's what they get. It was it was a very <laughs> oddly, oddly put together metaphor. It was clunky. It made sense. That was my. But whole it was point like is, this is so clunky and this clunk, and clunkily ash. done. Huh? 
that's my whole point is this this was so clunky like like yeah. they, they set up the whole thing about they have to resurrect superman like fine we we all know that that's going to happen but the way it was done how they go into well if you burn down a house and then you use the change boxes and and you you know connect the the, the boxes to the ash the ash will turn turn back into the house well um mm-hmm. superman and then they they so well they so tap I appreciated dance. it okay they so tap dance on the fans here and it's so fan servicey that you actually see like a little hologram superman on top of one of these boxes <laughs> like well, they're all no, that's, they're, they're all standing there like i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it is anybody gonna say it and then cyborg is just like hologram of superman that's yeah that's that's cyborg's right. hologram right but the way i took it was first in the in the original 17 they don't explain any of this Mm-mm. None. They just none. Let's awaken. Let's revive Superman. This is and they all do. brand new. This is all. Well, they 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 know that they're going to use the mother box to revive Superman, but there's no right. there's no reasoning behind how this is going to work. Here, no, the actual right. explanation of the change box it makes sense. I'm just pointing out how it's it, it's clunky and it was just done to like make it make sense. That's that's my whole. But thing that's right why. Here. But that's why I appreciate it is because none of them actually know, aside from Cyborg, actually know what the capabilities of the mother boxes are. Mm-hmm. They don't understand their powers or what they're capable of to the fullest. Right. And they're all stumbling around trying to figure out how can we make this happen. So the fact that it's, it's clunky and it kind of gets knocked around and it fumbles here and there. To where they actually are talking about it and then come to an arrangement to make it work. Yes. I like versus having know the whole process smoothly and now let's execute it. Okay. I can understand that. Yeah. You know, because even in Marvel, they were like, we need a suit of armor around the world because there's going to be other people coming in. They knew what they had to do in this one. They're brand new. They have no idea what to do, and they're figuring it out along the way. Um, okay, here, this is a problem that I have with with this movie, and it's it's a big one because it doesn't make any sense. Again, we cut to uh, Martha and Lois who are having tea time, and Martha convinces Lois you have to move on with your life and you have to go back to work. Yada yada yada. Right. And then Martha leaves, and it's it's Harry Lennox, who was it's General Swanswick in Man of Steel, who is revealed to be Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Given how close Martha and Lois are, you would figure at some point they would be, hey, thanks for coming, you know, to talk to me the other day. I didn't come and talk to you. Like, that did not happen at all. Right. It didn't come back. It didn't come back I'm at all. I'm like, surprised it didn't. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the whole thing comes back to they they added so much to this movie and there were so many things happening. I just kind of expected that eventually to pop back up, mm-hmm. but because of how many things they left untied, you know, just like left open at the end, it was just one of many things that led to almost nothing. And it's the first so, real, it's the yeah. first real um real seed that is left in this movie that kind of gives fans hope that there's going to be more, especially with the introduction right. of Martian Manhunter. 
Like mm-hmm. you introduce this new character. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But you get this thing where it's like, okay, ha- you've been Martian Manhunter, like Henry Lennox. You've been you were in Man of Steel, so we know who you are, and now you're here. You're Martian Manhunter, but you know at the same time, it's like, oh well. DC doesn't want to move forward with the Snyderverse. And it's like, well, why put this in there then? Like, if you know that you're not going to be moving forward with this universe or, or, you know, expand on any of these storylines or plot points, why even put them in the movie? Like, if you're going to wrap everything up, wrap everything up. If you're going to do, like, this big grand finale or it's going to be the end of your trilogy, make it the end. I know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but like, again, like I said, look look at the fact that we got this Snyder cut. You know, that's hopeful saying things might change. Mm-hmm. I hope I mean, they heck, do. they're talking about doing an Ace Ventura 3 now. Why? Like, there's, there's possibility for things that they said would never happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if they found some way to do it, especially right now after the success of this. Warner Brothers would be really dumb to not capitalize on on this opportunity here because they can still do that and do their other projects because they're tapping into the Flash with Flashpoint and we're going to be seeing different universes and different people. I mean, they're talking about having Michael Keaton and, you know, mixing it with Ben Affleck's Batman so, and even potentially with with Battinson, you know, so we've got Batfleck, Battinson, Keatman. But they don't they don't have to use Zack Snyder either. No, no, they don't. They don't, but, I mean, to keep this going, they, they have to keep this going. It's like at this point, at this point, it would be like, and I, I don't want to make this comparison, but it would be like if for whatever reason, you know, the next big Avengers-type uh, movie to come out wasn't directed by the Russo brothers, like, that movie would feel very different from... Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame. Like, it's almost a staple now that their, you know, their vision is is what they're moving forward with. And anybody else would just seem kind of like, oh, there's going to be differences. Like, anybody right, coming in right. to, 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 to do anything, you know, on an epic scale for DC at this point, aside from Zack Snyder, would feel very odd. Especially with the way that he does things with his color schemes and his slow motions and everything. It would feel very off. Yeah. No, I, de- I definitely agree, and I think that's what's what we're hoping is not going to happen. Well, you know, it's just I, but I mean, we'll see. If we'll see him, what happens. If if Zach and the studio are to be believed at this point, I mean, and and you said something about the um the success of this movie. I'm not even sure how you would measure something like that. I mean, are you just talking about like, oh well, HBO Max subscriptions went through the roof, so we're gonna do this again. Or are they actually, you know, when everything opens up again, are they going to measure this in way of let's put it in theaters and see how it does? Or let's, you know. Well, I think I think what they probably did as well is they're they're measuring to see how many people suddenly signed up for HBO Max. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people jumped onto it when when Wonder Woman was coming out. A ton of people were getting like the, you know, the, the free month or whatever. Yeah. Hopping on and getting the trial. But you'll see people doing the same thing. You may. So, so after the introduction of Martian Manhunter, we are back to our Justice League uh, friends, and they are having a discussion of whether or not to revive Superman. I like this a lot better than 2017. 
This here mm-hmm. in 2021, it's much more of a, a team decision. They're all discussing it and they all come to terms with it and they're all on board. In 2017, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman was dead set against everything. She almost wanted right. no part of it. She it was very she was very much the odd one out. Here, it's a team right. thing. And I appreciate that it's a team and it just goes to show that, you know, for the most part, Bruce is a very good leader. He's a very, I mean, obviously Superman is going to be the leader of the Justice League moving forward, but for right now, what Bruce is doing and how he brought everybody together and he's getting everybody on the same page, he's very good at what he's doing here. And I really appreciate that he gave Bruce a lot of this. And that that goes back to what you were saying earlier where, you know, there's a lot of times where Batman is kind of just like, he's the odd man out. He doesn't have the same powers or really the ability to help out in certain ways. It comes down to his leadership. Yes. You know, um, so it's all about his leadership and not so much what he can bring to the table besides just organizing, planning and getting people to agree together. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a that's a big thing that they were really pushing out there is that, you know, his leadership skills are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again. Uh, we get Alfred, who's very skeptical about reviving Superman, and he even says the line, your guilt overcomes your reason to Bruce. I, right. I, I don't really understand what Alfred's issue is in this movie. He's very questioning a, a lot more than he usually Everything. does in other, in other Batman movies. It's, it's really odd. Um, well, so a- Alfred, the character Alfred has always been somebody who cares for Bruce, and he's just like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, but... Like, stop overworking yourself. Every version of, of, of Batman we've seen, you know, Alfred has always been that, like, my job is to care about you and to care for you. Stop, stop putting yourself through this. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll help you, but just don't, you know, don't do something stupid. So I'm not surprised that that's how they made uh, this version of Alfred, being just like, I, but he, was, he wasn't so much like, I think it's, you know, be, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. It's just like, I think this is a dumb idea. Don't do it. Yeah. Like, he's straight up saying, don't do it. Hmm. But, I mean, we get that also from Cyborg at one point soon as well. I think that was more towards the fans than it was towards Batman. Yeah. Because when you watch the Arrowverse... And you see all the other things, and you see the revival of all these people. The Lazarus especially pit. Especially with the Lazarus pit. Yeah. They always come back different. Oh, yeah. And darker. Pet cemetery. Right. So I think it was more fan service to that than it was anything else in that particular yeah, scene. It's like, we've seen this before. We've seen Pet Cemetery. We know how this <laughs> turns out in most cases. There was Don't no do Pet it. Cemetery line in this movie. No, but my point is, who's to say that movie didn't exist in there? I mean, again, this goes back to, you know, watching a zombie movie where somebody doesn't say, it's just like Night of the Living Dead. It's like, really? Oh. Does that movie not exist in this world? Oh, no, no, you know, no, no. But then no. There, are zomb- there are movies that do refer no, to no, it. No, no, that's just not... Like that's like Living Dead out there. That's not what I meant. Well, and then in, in 2017, Barry Allen actually uses the term, oh, Pet cemetery. This is what that's going to turn into. 2021, mm-hmm. there is no Pet cemetery line. Oh, he does actually say that. Yes, oh. in twenty in twenty seventeen, he does actually, you know, invoke pet okay. cemetery. Like he's bringing that up. <laughs> Here, he's not. Okay, that's what I meant. Well, it's just like an office space where he says, "Hey, wait a second, didn't I see this in movies?" Like, yeah, Superman three. Like, 
it, oh, it's, yeah, the, it's great when movies yeah. have references back to that. And the thing about the, the show The Flash, there are tons of pop culture references in The Flash, mm. which is another reason why I like the show so much, that they're referencing Back to the Future, they're referencing, I mean, name it. And at one point when they, had a, when they started doing their crossovers and everything, um, at one point you've got Cisco Ramirez who's wearing a Superman shirt. And it's like, that's really weird. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they start getting into stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. Because there is a Superman, but he's wearing it like it's a, a shirt that we would wear. Right. So they start really toying with us in their, in their um, fourth wall breaks. Which right. begs the question, in this universe, what planet are we on? What Earth are we on? We don't know. I mean, especially because there's an episode of The Flash... Um, in the last uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think it was the last one. At the end of at the end of it all, Arrow Earth One is the only one that remains. In the so, end, right? Yes. Um, speaking speaking on that, what Earth are we on? I will refer us back to the quote that was said by the uh, the CEO of um, Warner Warner Media. We are very happy we've done this, but we're very excited in the plans we all have for the multi-dimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. So, multi-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. That's just saying that their their character is has different dimensions to them. It's not so much just that. It's not talking about the worlds. Does it? Though? I think that's I think well, that's exactly it, 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 what it's saying. Could, it's it talking could, about it could the different have the worlds. double meaning. <laughs> I mean, the, I think it's pretty explicit that they're talking about different worlds. Right, but that's but that's why we have you know Battenson. That's why we have this Flash crossover stuff that's going to be coming up too. You know, bringing in Michael Keaton, which you know is going to be really cool to see how they start mixing all these things together like that. Um, which is what they've been doing in the Flash series. Um, so that was one of the coolest things that they brought Ezra Miller into the Flash, but he wasn't going by the name the Flash. Which is great because he didn't really have a name in this either. He wasn't calling himself the Flash. He was just there, Barry Allen, who had a you know his ice dancing suit that he wore. So I like this. Like the what? What am I called? The what? So it was it was really well put together, and it made the the Arrowverse crossover situation like twenty times better just because they started crossing over into the movies, which we've never seen before. Right. So seeing that when I first saw that, I said DC finally has a chance. If they actually do what it looks like they're doing right now, they have a chance to do something different than Marvel and to really make it work. Well, what I've what I've always said for the longest time is Marvel has always done better in the realm of movies. Mm-hmm. And DC has always had a stronger stake in it with their TV shows. They've gone back and forth. They've gone back and forth over the years, over the decades. Well, reality. up until recent, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., awful. Agent Carter, not that good. Um, but let's but let's go to the Netflix. Netflix, shows. but that was Netflix. That right. wasn't Marvel Studios, though. Right. <clears throat> so Netflix did two or three, and they stopped. There may be some crossover with that. I mean, Charlie Cox is rumored about that. to make a to make yeah. an appearance in um in Spider Man. Right. He was Daredevil. a phenomenal Daredevil. He was. It, he was. It's an amazing show. The, the Daredevil was an amazing. Wasn't show. Ben Affleck, <laughs> <laughs> and I will say Ben Affleck. I liked Ben Affleck as Batman and as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, in this Snyder cut, than anything else prior to. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was. I thought he fit the role perfect. Like, what's your superpower? 
I'm rich. I yeah. definitely cool. think I definitely think he's the best Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I don't know if I would say he's the best. But Batman. we haven't seen we haven't seen a lot of Bruce Wayne though. I mean, maybe we did in Batman v Superman. Yeah, I had to revisit. I don't know, man. Keaton Keaton was more Wayne than he was Batman. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, every, everybody has everybody has their thing. I mean, because we know that Val Kilmer was definitely just. Well, we don't talk about that. Val Kilmer and George Clooney. That never happened. <laughs> they never. I just I can't get over the fact that they even said, "Hey, how about George Clooney?" They're like, "Well, we did Val Kilmer. Might as well." <laughs> Anyways, moving uh, on. Batman, Batman, I mean, Bat Nips and Batman Smiling. I think it's just the Batman Smiling that really upset me. He had a Batman Remember? credit card. Batman. <laughs> good, good, to, good through forever. Yeah. Good through forever. That card. <laughs> Unbelievable. There was so much wrong with, with those two movies. The parts I hated the most. Doesn't matter what they drove through, if it was wood, if it was metal, <laughs> if it was plastic, it exploded. <laughs> it exploded. <laughs> and then all the all the neon lights. Oh my like god. All their, Everything so Batman neon. is supposed oh, to horrible. be this. He's supposed to be this mythical figure that creeps around in the night and sneaks up on bad guys, and he has these glaring purple neon lights coming from the bottom of his Batmobile. I know. What do we do? Uh, Batman meets his, Batman meets Fast and Furious. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, much. I mean, so I thought it was it was kind of cool when they showed it there with the with the blue with the lights and stuff in the Batman Forever. But when they got to Batman and Robin, and he had like a disco ball thing on the front of it, and that's going around. They had like they had like these ice m- mobiles and stuff like that. Like, where did he keep all these things? And how did he know that one day the world would be covered in ice? The Ice Age. <laughs> right. Digress. Anyways, moving on to part five. Compliant. All the King's Horses. So, we are, we are on our way. We are digging up Superman. Diana and Arthur have a nice bonding moment talking about their shared histories and the differences between their two driven tribes. Um, they, <laughs> Cyborg and Flash actually have a pretty pretty cool dialogue here where flash is very much into diana you think she's into younger guys she's five hundred thousand years old every guy's a younger guy which is really (laughs) great um and this shows this actually if this is the right scene this actually shows where aquaman cares yes yes because he has that conversation with barry allen he's not stone like he was i don't think it's there yet this is when they're digging up superman yes so, they dig him up, they're on their way back to Superman's oh, ship. Right. They're digging him up, they're on their way back to Superman's ship because that's where the pool is, where, you know, Lex's plan went awry and Doomsday and everything else like that. I love how everybody here shows up ready for a fight. Everybody is decked out in their gear because they have absolutely no idea how this is going to go and what's going to happen. Right. Um... Cyborg sets off all the alarms in the facility. I like, I like this because it's... So, one of the scientists goes over to one of the monitors because he wants to find out why the alarms are going off. A microbe of alien origin has entered the facility. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Superman. Like, 
okay, so <laughs> Cyborg sets off all the alarms, but at the end of the day, the, the computer system within this facility still detects that Superman is in the building. That's the only thing that I could come up with here. I thought it was that Cyborg... Just put some, put some random code up just there. Just put the code in there, yeah. Yeah. A That's how I took alien it. origin? Yeah. That's a yeah, pretty, something that... That's a pretty specific well, I mean, the code. guy... Well, I mean, the, 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 the head scientist, aside from Cyborg's dad, was all into nanotechnology. Right. So they're hmm. dealing with all the, the cells and the micro and the nano stuff. So to put that in there, one little thing like that could probably disrupt all of their research. Right. Okay. So I thought it was a smart move coming from Cyborg, planting that in there, creating that. Right. Okay. That's um, how I took it. Okay. No, that's 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 fine. I took it a little bit different. I think it was a little bit more on the nose than that, but it's it's fine. Um, I also think that all of the alarms going off as Superman is being carted into the f- facility is just a really bad omen. It's just a telling of things to come, you know, down the line. And we're gonna get mm-hmm. into a lot of that later when we get into the uh the epilogue of this of this movie. Um Cyborg's dad, Papa Stone, he's he's actually being a good father here, covering for his son, because initially he was saying, it's a false alarm, everybody come back, and where are you going? And then he sees the team show up with the coffin, and it's, nope, get everybody out. Never I mind, actually, we're good. <laughs> yeah, never mind, we're good, everybody out, get everybody out of here. Um, this, this, this whole sequence is incredible. So... <laughs> Superman's ship actually starts to kind of wake up. The lights are coming on. The suits are, you know, making their turn around and about face, and they're just, you know, facing the walkway and everything. And Barry quite cleverly says, it knows he's here, which it's just this whole thing yeah. was amazing. The way that this was the way that this was done. This whole thing is amazing. They come to the conclusion that they have to charge the box to wake the box up in order to resurrect Superman, but the computer has been absolutely destroyed and they're not going to be able to do things the way that they want to. So Barry says, I can build up that kind of charge. We talk about the whole speed of light thing. He tells, talks about how times start to get wonky. Oh boy. And then, I mean, I know that the two of you have watched Flash and you're big on that, but I just thought it was amazing that a DC movie was able to do time travel the right way. I just think that's amazing. Right. In a movie, any movie. Well, it wasn't so every much movie, time travel as, as much as it was time manipulation at that point, which I thought was good because time travel is, I, I think time travel is something where it's a lot more, you know, it's a lot more than just reversing something that just happened. And that's what happened and happens in this movie is reversing something that just happened. Um, so that it's would not, still be time travel. It, it is, it's but it's, time, it's a whole it different time level of travel, time travel. And it's not because anything, any other, you name any other piece of fiction where time travel is used and it either ignores the rules of its own time travel, like Endgame, or it breaks the movie completely, like Back to the Future. Right. This did yeah. neither one of those things, and I really appreciate that. And it's just really... Well, that's my point. But I, I think m- there's, there's different levels of time travel. We've seen time travel in different movies. All right, there's time travel where somebody gets into a, a time machine and they travel multiple years. Or, you know, and, and just like instantaneously show up there. That's time travel, you know, where they're gone for a long time. And I'm not saying it's not the same time travel, but there's a concept where it's like, okay, there's time manipulation, which is just fixing something like freezing something, for example, or, going, or speeding something up or slowing something down. 
or in the event where Superman flies around the Earth a bunch of times until it spins backwards and it fixes a few different things. I don't consider that something on the same level of, of, as time travel, um, like a time travel movie. It's time manipulation, which is also time travel, I agree, but I think it's, there's, a, there's a whole different feel about it. You see something quickly change. You know, it's just like somebody... Uh, what's, there's been other movies we've seen where somebody hits a button and it sets them back 10 seconds and they redo something. You know, I can't even think of the movies that have done that. But, you know, I wouldn't call that even time travel. It's more just like a second chance. So using, using time travel as a quick... Um, I like to think of my, my Roku TV. I've got the button you hit and it just does like, oh, it brings you back 10 seconds. You know, you hit the button, it brings you back 10 seconds and it shows you um, subtitles underneath so you can pick up what you caught, you know? So that's how I looked at this. Like, oh, hold on, reset button. Let's just try this again. See, I took the end of this when you do see Flash doing time manipulation as a correction to Superman 1. Because I think Superman 1, that's what they were trying to achieve with the limited technology that they had. Yeah. This makes it better. But even in this scene, though, it's not, it's just slowing everything down to show you how fast he is actually going to go from where he is to the mother box. It wasn't even so much that he was slowing everything down. The mother box, time actually reverses. The mother for box like literally three, comes for like out a of the second. water. Yeah, because mm-hmm. for like a second, because the picture, because the, the picture starts coming out of the the picture of Superman's dead starts coming out starts of the coming out of the water as as well too. Correct. Yeah. So Barry Allen's working. Now up the part his, uh... the the part I didn't get with this part is did Barry Allen go through a wall after he sparks the mother box or was there just a big space behind him? There was a big space behind him. I think it was just the other side. I think it was just the other side of the, um, the hallway. Yeah. That he, and he ended up on the other side of it. Yeah. I thought it was a wall that he just barreled right through. I think he, I think he just ended up on the other side of the hallway. Like there's the, like, like I almost thought of this pool as like the center of wherever it is that they were. He started at one end, he came flying through, he charged the box, and then he just ended up on the other side. Right. Which, the pool, which I I have a question about that that I never, I didn't get. They show Lex Luthor in the beginning, mm-hmm. in the pool, after mm-hmm. he creates, um, well, I just blanked in the guy, in the Doomsday? Bad guy's name. Doomsday. Oh. He creates Doomsday. <laughs> and then he turns around and he sees Steppenwolf with the mother boxes. Was Superman's ship showing him the future or was he helping create that? What was that all about? I don't recall. You got the you got the um you got the scene at the end of Batman v Superman where Lex is in Arkham Asylum and he's going on and on. He's coming, he's coming. Like you get that whole thing. So I think I, I took that as Lex was helping Steppenwolf get to Earth. Okay. Like, I'm going to help you get here. Like, I'm going to open up a portal or something like that, or I'm showing you where we are. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they... Because sh- That's knew. true, because before he's in Arkham, he's in there, and he probably saw that Superman ship was showing him the coming of... Dark side. 
Possibly. Or Steppenwolf, I should say. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, moving on. Barry uh, builds up his charge, touches the mother box, and we're off to the races. Oh boy. But before this happens, something else weird happened. And it goes back into the whole thing about the ship showing vision. So the ship is strongly warning against doing this. It's really weird. The ship is going, this, this action cannot be reversed or, or something along those lines. And oh, yeah. Cyborg gets a vision. Cyborg's vision is Darkseid's Conqueror of Earth, Wonder Woman being, you know, cremated, Darkseid, you know, taking on Atlantis and just decimating, Superman holding mm -hmm. a charred corpse, and Darkseid, and this was so epic, Darkseid gently placing his hand on Superman's shoulder. And my only thing oh. is... If I now I just want injustice, like I want a proper injustice movie now. Just the idea of <laughs> Superman ruling over Earth with an iron fist, like do just complete apocalyptic world. And we'll get to that later. Mm. Um, well, I was if you I was if you watch the animated series, they actually do a lot of the movies and the animation. They do fantastic with Superman and Batman. Do they? They actually have a dark side, full length animated feature film. Okay. Where it does show this all happening. Okay. And Superman, Dark's Black Superman working for Darkseid. Um, so it. they're actually going into that universe of the whole side of things. Right. Yeah. Which I'm I enjoyed. Just, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very much in need of injustice. So um, <laughs> there was something in this vision that I was confused on. I wasn't sure if... Injustice was holding up uh, Batman's head or mask? His mask. It was just his mask? It wasn't his head? Just, it was just yeah. his mask, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. The, the ship actually says, the future has taken root in the present. Right. Thoughts on that? Anybody? I, I didn't have any thoughts. I was more just like, what's this going to lead up to? And we're seeing here clearly that it's leading up to nothing. Okay. <laughs> so, we get to outside. No. Superman is... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we're missing here. The whole, like, you know, Lois is the key thing that we're going to get to. It's just like... Done. It's, Done. Gone. It, Gone. Bye. Well, yeah. I, I took it as if Lois didn't intervene coming up, what the ship said was starting to happen. I think mm. what the ship says is going to happen regardless. Right. I mean, I think that's the I think that's the clear direction that we're going into. The, I can the, see the, that. I I don't think I think okay. So Lois is Lois may be the key, but for what purpose? Like right. if Lois if Lois ends up dying for whatever reason, I could absolutely see this this future this apocalyptic world happening. Like oh he yeah, would, like like Clark Superman whatever you want to call him would absolutely lose it. <laughs> But so, I mean, and that explains why Bruce keeps having these dreams. Exactly. Well, exactly. why would he keep having them if they're not going to go anywhere? No, you're right. So I Superman mean, they ended old... this whole thing off like saying there's going to be more. Yeah. So, but, like I why? like I said, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of crumbs in this movie about what's what's going to be taking place. In the, I I really hope that they do it, even if they don't use Zach. I really hope that they you know move forward with this with the storyline because it's amazing. Um, so Superman lives, he's outside, he's floating in midair. There is a cop on the ground. Superman looking lives up never at Superman. happened. Man, 
This, this cop <laughs> is looking up at Superman and immediately grabs for his gun. What are you going to do? He is yeah. Superman. He is floating, and you think you and your gun is going to be able to do something? Like he's Superman. Exactly. <laughs> he's Superman. What are you going? How is this? This isn't going to end well. The team run up. The team run up to Superman, and Superman is very much not happy right now. Cyborg's defense systems kicks in. All of this right now, this entire thing going on right now, is is nothing for Superman. It's just. I've been asleep for a little while and I need to stretch my muscles. Let's play. And that's what this is. This mm-hmm. is child's play. This is absolute oh, yeah. child's play for Superman. This isn't a fight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, my God. Superman is as fast or faster than Barry Allen effortlessly. Oh. This, this, so it was I amazing. love... I love the scene that's in both of them. It's it's in this 2017 and this one. Mm-hmm. The face that he makes as Barry's running past him, and he just like you see him just slowly like he never looks straight on. It's always just like this side eye. Yeah, as he's slowly looking, and he is just like he's pissed. He's and it's not happy. Like the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I I thought it was it was brilliant. And the fact that they kept it, I was like, thank you, because that was the coolest thing of the movie. Was yes. just like how he's just like. You're not getting past me, you little pest. This like, scene oh. and the look on Barry Allen's face of like <laughs> he's like, How fast are you? <laughs> like, what are you doing? It was shock. <laughs> it was absolute shock. Oh my god. They even made it a little bit better because in the 2017 version, it was just like, I'm going to swing at you, you are going to fall, but it's like one of those things where I'm as fast or faster than you are. And I'm going mm. to punch and you're gonna duck and dodge and everything. And this one, they made it a little bit better. The, the lightning effects were more enhanced. And there was even this one scene where Superman, in one constant pose, moved with Barry, like, across the whole platform that they were on together. And it was just, like, that looked incredible. I don't know how to describe it. I really hope the two of you know what I'm talking about. Where Superman when, they were just, getting... when Superman would kept on swinging at Barry, this shows that Barry is a tad faster. Because Superman keeps missing, right? But he's keeping up with them while destroying yes. the rest of the monument. Yes, right. right. Um, Barry's on the ground. He's hurt. He's not getting back up. Superman's ready to blast him with his heat vision, and here come the military with their guns again. What are you gonna do? What is this? What's gonna happen here? You're not gonna do anything but make him even no more idea. mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I thought that that was really funny. Um, oh, what movie is that? Oh, don't don't bring that. Oh, uh, oh, it's um, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> In Blazing Saddles, when when Mongo's showing up, and um, and you know, uh, Bart hasn't actually met him before, and Gene Wilder's like, "What are you doing?" He's he's like he's going out there. He's like, "I'm gonna go get him." And he's he's grabbing his gun and putting his holster on. He's like, "Oh no, don't do that. You'll only make him angry." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so Superman, he sets his eyes on Batman. He starts to make his way over there. Barry Allen's trying to stop him. He sidesteps Barry Allen, and Barry Allen full-on spears Aquaman into cement. (laughs) (laughs) That was epic. Oh, my God. Oh, my, it was amazing. Never mind mind the the moment where, where Arthur looks at him. Just point his finger at him. He's well, like, yeah, I am at the so end of this thing, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. We well, get what's, the fa- what's funnier about that is, did, did I send you that meme? I got it. I sent it to Chuck, but it was just, it was basically Warner Brothers 
and the fans. Yeah, I and said, it yeah, was um, it was yeah, the fans pointing it. pointing at Barry Allen that was Warner Brothers, and you're just going, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so true. I like that the gauntlets that Batman created not only withstood the um the plasma blast from Steppenwolf and his gang, but they actually pretty much withstood the laser vision of Superman as well, too. Yeah, that was really I awesome. mean, enough to save his life. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for those, he'd be cooked. No, it would be over. Literally. It would be absolutely over. Yeah. We get the face-off between... We get the face-off between Superman and Wonder Woman, and they're back and forth with the headbutts, and Superman just levitates and headbutts her into the cement, which was amazing. Love it. Just an amazing Love visual. It. Then... Superman and Batman are face-to-face. Superman, I'm sorry, Superman and Batman, they're face-to-face. Lois shows up to just in the nick of time before Batman is cooked. There is none of this, we need the big guns foolishness, which I really love because I really hated that whole thing in the, in the 2017 version of this movie. It killed this entire right. scene for me. We need Alfred, we need the big guns, and Lois just shows up and she, like, really? Like, that was... These are the big guns. Like, no, it makes sense yeah. that she was there. She was visiting this the statue with this monument, and she sees everything because she's on the street, and she just shows up, and um, away they go. They fly off, which perfect ending to to this entire sequence from from waking Superman right. up to Superman and Lois taking off together was amazing. Just just epic epic stuff. So now that the final mother box is awake, Steppenwolf shows up to retrieve it. Um, I really like that uh, Papa Stone here wisely grabs this thing and he plays a clever little trick, but also at the same time, we've done this before, how we have this actor sacrificing himself by setting off somewhat of a bomb. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all oh I my think God. Of. Teaching. Oh my god. We find out we find out that he, you know, did did nothing more but um but superheat it to make it very easy for the Justice League to find. And which was uh, really step- cool because at first I was like, what's he doing? But yeah. the way that he explained that later on, I'm like, that's a really, really a smart idea. It was really clever. I like that they was, worked that into it. I don't fully understand why he couldn't do this on the outside of this glass room. Meh. Okay. It's just me. <laughs> um I'll allow it. Okay, and uh, Steppenwolf, you know, breaks into this facility, smash, 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 grabs the final mother box, and away he goes, and so begins the end. And that's the end of that part. Part six, something darker. Uh, Clark and Lois, they're back home, and Clark is having a really hard time remembering who he is. Um, well, technically they to- not home. They, they lost a the house to the bank. No. Bank, schmank, who cares? Um, we cut back to the Justice yeah. League, who are... <laughs> going to buy it anyway. We cut back to the Justice League who are planning out their final attack. And what it's essentially going to be is Victor is going to hack into the mother boxes and the Flash is going to somewhat push him into them. Is that right? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, he's going to charge him so he can get into it. Not, yeah, not, it's going to so be a huge charge. It, but again, more another charging situation. I thought it was strange that they just kept on... They kept on playing with that same thing. Okay, he needs power. Charge him. Okay, he yeah. needs power. Charge him. You know, it's it seemed a little overdone, but repetitive. It it just showed that they were learning. Hey, here's a really great uh, tool that we can use when we're faced with things where he needs more power. Oh, Barry's got power. 
cool. And if you think about reality, I mean, how many times do we, we, do we discover a tool? I mean, even if it's literally a tool and say, oh, man, this thing works on anything. And you start doing different things with it, you know, because you're like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. You get, we get kind of excited about a thing that works, you know. So I guess that makes sense. For us, we're watching it from a, from a movie standpoint, s- seeing it and expecting it to work like any other movie. But let's think about it in a, in a sense of reality for a second. Yeah, if you've got something that works and you know is it going to work, you know that it's something that works, go ahead. Use it again. Okay. Right. It doesn't always work. My question, but. though, is what is Barry charging? Because he's running around this thing far out in the distance, and he's saying, I can't hold it anymore. I can't hold it anymore. Yeah. What's he holding? The charge. The charge. That's what's what he, I took. What's he, what's he charging, though? Himself. himself. Yeah. He's basically char- <laughs> supercharging himself like a battery. Right. He's supercharging himself. But he's cyborg still pretty much gets into the mother boxes without any help. Right, but he needed more. It wasn't about pushing him in. It was about giving him enough power so he can, like, get into it the way you know all matrixy, like he did before, with the yeah. banks and all that stuff. We'll get there. We'll get there. So they have their plan of attack. Meanwhile, back on the farm. Uh, Clark begins to regain some of his memory. He notices the ring on Lois's finger. They're talking about second chances, and he's not going to waste it. Martha shows up. There's a big hug. Um, and Superman Martha. basically says, they want to be back for a reason, and I got to find out why. So he's going to go off to do the whole fight thing. Um, is this where... Okay, never mind. Um... Yeah, Batman is telling... Who is he telling? Is he telling Wonder Woman about uh, the dream that he had about Barry, you know, the the, 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 the the time force and everything? Yeah, he's going through that whole thing. So that that element does come back. He did not talk about his dream or any of the visions in 2017, and I thought... I, I was one of those people that was wondering why. Like, why was this just dropped? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. That was, betw- that was between... Um... That was between everything with, um, yeah, sorry, uh, between Batman v Superman and, and this. Yes. Again, it was like they, they set it up in Batman v Superman, but never did anything else after. Nothing. They did nothing with it. Um, we cut to Steppenwolf, who has successfully united the mother boxes, and now they are one. Or not, they're going to become one. They're not united yet. They're still in, like you know, one of the final phases. And the entire world knows this because this big white light just emits all over the place from Themyscira to Atlantis and even Alfred. Everybody sees this thing. My question is, how long does it take for these three mother boxes to become the Unity? Because they had an infinite amount of time to actually take it apart. Yeah, they seem to. So, um... Since we have the whole concept of since we have the whole concept of Flash building up a charge to knock Cyborg into these Unity boxes so that he can, you know, better hack into it, um, how exactly is this going to work? Lee, do you know how this is gonna work? Mm, nope. With the power of love. Oh, oh, the power of love. That's right. You feel the power. That's the power of love. 
thought it was a really nice joke for uh, Back to the Future that I thought you would have, you know, really jumped all over. But I guess I was wrong. <laughs> uh, whatever. I, I, was, I was about to grab the guitar and start playing it, but. You don't so anyways, need money. Don't take we fame. We cut to Superman. We cut to Superman who's uh, making his way through his ship. He's kind of looking around like he's confused. He's, I, I guess he's trying to decide what clothes to put on right here. I like that Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner are kind of doing like this dual back and forth dialogue is like both of his fathers giving Clark a lot of guidance through his life. I, I thought it was a really pretty cool. It was really, really well done. And at the end of this thing, we get black suit Superman who, you know, flies up into the sky. And if either one of, well, I know he hasn't, but Chuck or anybody else who's listening to me who's ever played Dark Souls, he's all praised the sun in the middle of the sky. Um, <laughs> so Batman has to take out this dome. I feel like I'm talking to myself now. Batman has to take out this dome. This is why I was saying. So this is where I don't get it. Is the dome is still there, but the three mo- the mother boxes aren't in that stone slab anymore so how is it still up that was my whole thing earlier about why is it only two that have to create the dome because i knew we were going to get to this point later he has all three and i really didn't say anything about um one of your theories about the dome being impenetrable once the third one is there because it's not he has all three and this dome is still very vulnerable it's very um and especially since they're talking about attacking from the top it's very, you know, Death Star-esque <laughs> in, in way of how this thing is going to be destroyed. So, Batman destroys it the dome. The ins- it, is from the, it is from the inside, you're right. And I guess the one part about this scene that I did not like is that one of the parademons can shoot as fast as Flash can run. Yeah, that was a big thing. Yeah, a big that was thing. kind of, a, that was pretty annoying. But I think the thing is, if the Flash is constantly spinning and going past that point, I mean, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. So if it just keeps shooting straight, eventually it would hit him. He shot once. He shot once. Did he? Yeah. One shot. Nah, that's a good point. Took him My out. reasoning, okay, my reasoning with this is the explosion or, or, or the ricochet of the shot, he's moving so fast that something is going to hit him. Yeah. Like even like even if the ricochet or, or the explosion or the after effect of this shot, even if it's for a split second, Flash is moving so fast that something is going to interrupt him in his movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Batman takes out the dome, the dome comes down, and the final battle commences. Um Batman does what he does best. He's playing with very expensive toys and he's blowing things up. Um, Batman is basically taking out the common enemy of any RPG anybody's ever played. That's his role here, and he fits perfectly into it. Um, again, the Flash gets shot by slow motion. Um, hmm. Well, I love, so, is this the part where Batman's ship gets taken down? Yeah. And then he so. comes barreling on, out in his Batmobile? He, he comes barreling out on the Batmobile. The one thing that I have written here is... The way that this hero shot is with all of them kind of like moving in slow motion and they're all like going into battle, the Batmobile is a more important character right here than Batman is. I I loved it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually, because it was different than just your, because they do the hero shot with all of them mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, like they the, do. They do the dance with all of them at the end. So if they didn't do that, 
and they left out Batman completely. I could see that. But the fact that they brought him in at the end with the hero kind of like the staggered look, that that fit it for me at that point. Yeah, I actually really like that Batman was kind of absent for the majority of this fight. Right. What What is he going to do? What can Nothing. he really do in this room with a whole bunch of alphas? He's he's going to be almost Nothing. useless. So I'm I'm glad that he was kind of kept on on the sidelines for this. Well, so what you, what this- you don't realize is it was during this scene that he actually went and bought the bank. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That buys Clark's house back. So, so that's why he is, disappears for a little bit. There is yeah, one thing. Busy. There is one thing that Batman does here that I really like. He's um. So he's manning one of these alien guns, right? And then when he leaves, there's just a bomb there. And the only thing that I thought about was that scene at the beginning of Batman Returns where he punches the guy, but it's misdirection, and then there's a bomb on his chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like perfect. It was great. Oh, yeah. Um, Superman is, uh, goes to uh, Bruce Wayne's house, and he meets Alfred, and Alfred basically tells him where to go. Okay, Superman, okay, here we go. Steppenwolf goes phase three, like in a big boss fight with the big blue glowing eyes, which does absolutely nothing. He, he's almost yeah, no stronger I than he was before this moment. I know. Why? Like, like I was expecting him, I was like ready. I was like, oh my God, he's going to be so powerful here. Here we go. Like, it was almost like he, he got a whole bunch of power from these mother boxes, kind of like Thanos with those stones. And I'm thinking he's going to be epic right now. And it was just like, no, they, he's handed with relative ease in, in this final sequence here, which is really like, what, why, (laughs) why just, Give him, give, give him something a little bit extra to do. Bring up the stakes. Make me feel like, you know, this is going to be a fight. It really wasn't. Well, if you remember 2017, Superman comes down, punches yeah. him once. And it's o- end yeah. of sight scene. I know. So that's Superman thing- separates the mother boxes. It's over. In this one, he is holding his own until Superman comes in. Yes. Right. When Superman starts tooling on him. Then Wonder Woman and Aquaman start doing their thing. So Because now he's been knocked around by Superman for a little bit that he's a little dazed. So my one big criticism about 2017 is how nerfed the rest of the Justice League become once Superman enters the fight. And in mm-hmm. 2017, there needs to be a reason to let the other team members shine. So Superman goes off to rescue a building full of people. That gives you know, the other members of the Justice League an opportunity to kind of fight on their own without him. It's the only reason why he's taking out of the fight. Because he under... In 2017, Superman undermines the entire rest of, rest of the Justice League to the point where it's ridiculous for me. Um, right. I'm not the biggest fan of Superman. I'm one of those people that thinks he's way too powerful. So... It was just like, but here it's done really well because they are fighting as a unit. So I do really appreciate that. Like, I'm sure yeah. Superman could have taken care of everything on his own with no problem, but it is, you know, it's more of a team effort. And okay, I'll take it for what it is. But for the most part, at the end of this fight scene, it's fight, 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 punchy, kicky. Um, when Superman shows up, you know, to kind of get in the way of, uh, of Steppenwolf with his giant axe and cyborg. Yeah. He just, yeah, that you know, awesome. that, was, that was amazing. Not impressed. And he just freezes the thing 
and then it's off to the races with the end of this movie. It was amazing. It was just absolutely And I love incredible. that Superman doesn't hold back in this either. Like he it's 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 laser cuts off his horns, whatever he's it was. So yeah. he's so menacing. Superman is so menacing, which it just it it it's another breadcrumb that's left with how over the toply over the top, over the top violent that Superman is being when it comes to Separate Wolf here. That's just like I want my Injustice movie now. <laughs> so um yeah. Um who sees it? Anyways, the um the portal is open up to Darkseid. Man, man this end scene. Okay. So in a movie that has shown ample amount of blood splatter and 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 violence and the whole nature, Wonder Woman lops off Steppenwolf's head. <laughs> As he's going through the portal. As he's going through the yeah. portal. I would have loved it if there was just like some kind of green, green goo blood spewing out of Steppenwolf's neck. Like, go all out yeah. with it if you're going to do this. That would have been, I think that would have been a much better visual. But what we got was okay. Um, his head goes through the portal. His body goes through the portal. Dark side steps and crushes his skull. And that's basically the end of everything. Which okay. so it was it was very reminiscent of the scene in Ragnarok. Remember where the dragon thing's chasing him and it goes mm-hmm. through the portal and it cuts yes. it off and the head comes in and the eyes roll back. Yeah, like it was very it was a similar type of thing that they were going for, but it didn't have the same, you know, it didn't have the same effect. effect. So we get our end shot and our heroes are all standing in line, and yeah, well, it also first shows you the army. That dark side does have a waiting, which is massive which for me. That's what, which is massive, but that's what for me is setting up the next installment of this film. Who was the CG lady? Like there was just some pointless CG lady there next to him. Like, <laughs> I know, I noticed generals. that. She's the only human. She's the only humanoid character amongst this massive alien army. Yeah, but, like, she looked human enough where I was surprised, like, why did they make her CG then? Why couldn't it just be a human? Right. Maybe because it would have looked really weird having something not CG on that side? I, I don't know. I guess so. But it just, it just seemed really out of place. I guess so. Anyways, um, I skipped over the part where, so the mother box is synchronized, and the world is almost destroyed, and Barry Allen gets his massive moment in this movie. Where he approach, where he approaches and surpasses the um, the speed of light, reverses time and is able to knock. Uh, he's able to knock Cyborg into the mother boxes in order for him to hack into them and, and, and separate them as best as he can. He still needs help from Superman to separate them, but it, it, he is successful. So, I, I'm sorry, I don't consider this to be time manipulation. I consider this to be time travel. The world was destroyed one minute. He reversed time, and everything was fixed in the end. This is time travel. It's not time manip. I'm I'm sorry. I don't agree with the whole time manipulation thing, Lee. I'm sorry. I can't. If you're okay, if you're ready, if you walk across the street and you get your mail out of the mailbox, would you consider? Would you consider it traveling? Well, I'm walking. In so reality, yeah, I traveled. Oh, okay. But would you really consider like, hey, I love traveling. If somebody, if you some, you ask somebody what their hobbies were, right, and they said, oh, I love traveling, 
would you think that meant that they walked across the street and got their mail and that was what they consider traveling? My point is traveling is generally understood as something that's longer. Just because something that isn't as grandiose as traveling back 30 years doesn't negate that it's time traveling. Listen, listen, don't throw your 30-year Back to the Future stuff at me, okay? I'm just saying. I know 30 years. But I'm just my saying, point man. Is, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's not time travel, but there, it's, a, it's a different category of time travel. I'm not disagreeing with you that it's time travel. It is. But I wouldn't consider something like a, a little, like a run, you know, across the street for a second to be traveling. That's what he did. He ran back to the place he was. He ran back so fast at the speed of light that it reversed time. Yes. I, I don't know. In basketball, it only takes three steps to travel. That's true. I knew you were working on that for a little while. So, but that's the point. It's just a matter of like, mm, I can't bring myself to call it time traveling just because I think what, you know, what traveling is. See, traveling I thought it was their way of bringing Flashpoint into it. Well, it, it, it's, I don't think this is Flashpoint, but it's a way of opening up for oh, a future Flashpoint right. opportunity. Yes. Exactly. Because, again, in the end of the animated series, he does the same thing. Right. Of course. So, Victor is inside these, uh, these mother boxes, and he sees his family. Because I skipped over it earlier. I don't think I had it written down. It's, um, it's discussed that once he's inside the mother boxes, they might try to manipulate him by using his fears against him. And that's exactly what happens right. here. He's confronted mm-hmm. by his family. And the, 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 the most awesome, awesome sequence, I think, um, they're Cliche. having this dialogue. And I'm not broken. Like, like the, these mm-hmm. mother boxes are trying to make him feel like he's less than or that he's broken in some type of way and we can fix you and right. we can be together again mm-hmm. and I can give you your family back and I'm not broken and I'm not alone. And it was right. awesome. Um, the mother boxes are broken apart. Again, Superman has to help out with this and it is done. And the portal begins to close. That's when we get the final, you know, the final death nail to, <laughs> to um, well, the final death blows to... Uh, to Steppenwolf here, head off through the portal, and we're done. Um, man, Darkseid, though, it's not over yet. And again, another little nugget that's left in this movie, he's still coming for the anti-life equation. He can't use the portal. Mm-hmm. He can't use the mother boxes, so he alludes to something the old ways. I have no mm-hmm. idea what that is. I'm very curious to find out what that is and what's going to happen once he arrives. We'll get into more of that later. But that's ultimately, that is the end of the movie proper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's the end. Except for epilogue, you know, the seven return of the King endings that we had. Okay. So like I've seen that. I've, I've seen that. I've seen that around before I get into it. What do you think about the epilogue? It, it just, it leaves it open for the future. I, so, okay. So, because I've seen a lot of criticism that it didn't need to exist. And here's what I mm. or I've seen criticism that it doesn't need to exist, and I've seen some criticism that it should have been an after credit scene. My argument against this is there is literally epilogue before this thing happens, which are, epilogue, are you talking about? Are you talking about the dream sequence? I'm yes, because there's yes, yes. I'm talking about everything that happens after you know the the final hero yeah. shot, and they're all getting ready to get onto the plane. There's big. Yeah, that should have been a, a, that should have been an after credit scene. It says epilogue. 
I know. It literally means after the end. <laughs> yeah, I I know, but it's just like it was really long. It really was long. long, out of place. It just it seemed way too long for what it was supposed to be. I don't understand why they had this really long dream sequence leading up to what might be and then he wakes up there's Martian Manhunter and okay. Okay. What? It was just it was just really really long and odd because we we got introduced cuz again it was like multiple different endings we got introduced again to Slade Wilson we see him there and then we see like in the future Slade Wilson working with Batman and you're like okay what's going on here like it was very bouncy like it just kind of jumped around from here to there and you're like what is going on like it doesn't I don't think it needs to be there I loved it I loved it. I loved it. But it, I'll it, get it into looked why. like we were watching the next movie. Like we're halfway in. through the next movie. Uh, there's, there's a line of dialogue in, in, this, in that sequence that I'll get to, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, Chuck, thoughts? I liked it. I think they could have made it a bit shorter mm-hmm. than what it was. Okay. Um, I think there was some rushing in it trying to bring extra characters like Joker. Joker didn't need to be in it. Um, Deathstroke, yes or no? There. Yeah. Um, I know that Martian Manhunter has a lot of abilities outside of changing form. He can make other things happen as well, too. He can affect your thoughts like that. I think that would have been better slip in there versus it just being... Bruce Wayne having a dream. Okay. Okay. Kind of, kind of, um, Hunter showing him the future versus him having the dream, waking up and then having him come down and then discussing it. Mm -hmm. I thought Jared Leno was better in this than in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Minus all those tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. They got rid of the grill, but now he has a mouthful of blood. Yeah. Or like, Remember in Batman where Scarecrow, when Batman sees Scarecrow under the, the spray? Batman Begins. Yeah. Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. And then you see the Scarecrow when he's hallucinating with, the, with his mouth full of blood or ink or whatever it is. That's the kind of mouth they gave. I it was maggots. At, after. Oh, okay. But in the beginning, it was just this goo, this oh, dark okay. black goo. Yeah. And they gave Joker the same type of thing going on. In his mouth, yeah. 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 All right. So the epilogue is titled A Father Twice Over. Cyborg plays the rest of the tape that his father left behind for him. It's basically just his father going on about wasted time and how proud he is of his son. And it's very inspirational, very, very reassuring and really heartwarming. It's a it's a really good end for for Cyborg story in this movie that I really appreciated. Um, We get to see continued. They continued because he destroys the tape. He destroys the tape in the movie. Yeah. Right. He just yeah. But that was really con- cool to see him reassemble. Right. The device that he crushed. I thought that was a real noteworthy part. I liked that he was able to do that. That was an amazing mm. skill yes. that I didn't know that Cyborg could do. Aquaman. He's uh, still not taking his responsibilities in Atlantis. He's gonna go see his father, I guess, and he's you know just hanging out in the back of a truck. He takes a couple of drinks. Um, Bruce Wayne opens the doors to a very large room, gives a talk about a big round table with six chairs, but room for more. So 
Again, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> a lot is left on the table, literally, in, 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 in the end of this movie. Um, Bruce bought the bank so that Kent, the Kent <laughs> farm can be returned, um, which was a really good gesture from, from Clark. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, from Bruce. Um, meanwhile, in Arkham Asylum, uh, Lex Luthor has escaped. He's on his yacht with Deathstroke. And he reveals to Deathstroke that Batman's real name is Bruce Wayne. So, mm-hmm. and the one difference there that I don't know how I feel about it. So, in that scene with Lex and Deathstroke in 2017, the words or the, or the term, we need to form a league of our own, is uttered. Here, it's taken out. I don't know mm-hmm. how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm a league um, of assassins. Well, he doesn't say a League of Assassins. He says a League of Our Own. I know what they're alluding to, but it's just like, right. with everything else that was left on the table in this movie and how they're leaving a lot of breadcrumbs for what they're going to be doing in the future, that seems like a really odd thing to leave out. But I don't think Deathstroke was ever... If they are alluding to the League of Assassins, I don't think Deathstroke was actually a part of it. <clears throat> he was a rogue agent. Hmm. Okay. Like even in Arrowverse, I mean, he's a big character in Arrowverse. He's the guy who actually meets up with Arrow on the island and be- befriends him and trains him and stuff like that on the island. But he's always this rogue agent. I don't think he he was never really a part of the League of Assassins. I could be wrong. I mean, because TV shows and movies always divert from the comics to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but to my understanding, I don't think he was part of League of Assassins, and neither was Lex. Oh wow! Which would be interesting if they actually did that. Well, I hope one day we will find out. Then we get the whole vision of uh, the apocalyptic world, where Batman, Mira, Deathstroke, Cyborg, an older version of the Flash, and Joker are all working together for whatever reason. They have to put a stop to Superman injustice, whatever you want to call him here. Um, man, so here's why I love this scene, because it alludes to so much. Joker uses the line, how many alternate timelines do you destroy because, quite frankly, you don't have the cojones to die yourself? I'm Mm. not so sure this is a dream. I'm thinking this is somewhat of a vision or a premonition or the, the flash showing Bruce something. That, 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 I mean, it's been done before, so I'm, I'm really curious to know where this goes. Um, Batman flat out vows to kill Joker. Uh, Superman has found them. We have no idea how that ends because the dream sequence ends. Um, Bruce wakes up inside of his glass house. Martian Manhunter, you know, reveals himself and warns of Darkseid is still coming. I'm going to be around. And that is the proper end of this movie. We are done. <laughs> Um, yeah, the final end. The fi- exactly, the final end. This movie was phenomenal. This movie was absolutely phenomenal from top to bottom. Um, there I think this movie I- completely revived DC. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. DC absolutely. was on its way out. This movie brought it back to life. Yep, absolutely. I agree. And, I mean, and you know how I've been with everything. Like, I've been so Marvel, 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 and everything we've ever talked DC, I'm kind of like, ugh. You know, and I always bring it back to how great Marvel has done with their, their cinematic universe. But in reality, it's just, I, I'm so happy that DC in this, they found it. They found what they've been, 
you know, they they found the droids they've been looking for. You know, that's what that's what we're trying to get to here is them actually finding it, and they did. Right. I think the I think the whole thing is arrogance. I think DC was so you know gung ho about attempting to outdo Marvel at their own game that they mm. really lost sight of what it is that they were trying to do. And you can kind of see exactly. it in this movie. The When I was talking about Cyborg earlier and his introduction sequence and that whole scene about him and the football team and the accident and then becoming Cyborg, that right there condensed into that 10 minutes for me is personally a little bit better than a full-length feature, feature film that would have essentially done the same thing. I think that's what DC's whole game is right here. And if they continue to do things like that when they're introducing new characters, I'm fine with it. I don't yeah. I don't necessarily think you need a full film to introduce every single character that you're going to be having in your your franchise. Um doing doing things like that is perfectly fine. And if DC had done that from the get go, I think this would have been a lot I think this would have been a lot well, I think like, this would have been a much Marvel better universe. That, like, even Marvel did that too. Like they, they never did a a, a spinoff for Hawkeye. Not they didn't yet. Do sp- but they, but they gave it what fifteen years, and now they might. It wasn't right away. No, but we have a we now, even even Wanda with Wanda Vision, even Black Widow. She's finally now. But they built up enough where now you're the fans are asking for it. Right. Versus it being we're just gonna have a one off video for every single character. Right. Yeah. They didn't need that. And doing small spin offs like Falcon Winter Soldier and WandaVision for the B for the B characters is perfect because you don't need a full length feature film for it. No, you don't. No. <clears throat> but this movie for me gave me the feeling and the excitement of when I first watched the trailer for Justice League. And it revived that because when I watched the movie, I was like, ugh. And I saw this and I was like, that's what I... It took me four years to get this feeling back. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's really it's really upsetting that it's looking like they're not really going to move forward with, with any of this. They're going to... Whatever plan they have right now, like whatever formula they have right now, and I'm guessing it's what they're using to, to what they use to do, you know, Suicide Squad and Birds of Play, play Birds of Prey, and and their one-offs, like whatever the Robert Pattinson the Batman movie is going to be, and Joker. It's looking like that's going to be the way that they're going to do things moving forward, and to not have you know these you know epic epic superhero movies where you have like the justice league getting together and things like that, or even like the league of assassins. It's, it's just like, why? Hmm. Like I really want that. So that's it. Yeah. That's my ending thoughts about this great movie. Mm-hmm. Great way to, if it is the final, you know, the final film in Snyderverse, I'm happy with it. You know, this, um, Batman v Superman. I don't hate Batman v Superman the way a lot of other people do. I think it's a fine film. Uh, Man of Steel. Yeah. I, I mean, still love Man of Steel. I, I think the, I think the biggest issue was it was a huge hype for Batman v Superman. Yeah, I mean, it was way we even over saw the top. it in I Am Legend. You know, we're expecting it to happen. We're like, oh great, it's coming out, it's coming out. They're even they're <coughs> even showing it here in I Am Legend. And then years later, and we get it, and we're like, oh, oh, that's what you did. 
okay. So I think once you get over that initial bad taste because you're expecting one thing and you get something else, you, you can appreciate it for what it is. See, I right. enjoyed Man of Steel. Right. I love. I'm a Steel. huge Superman fan. Superman is my favorite. Oh, I know it's boy. not anybody else's. <laughs> um, but I've always liked Superman. Like I like Dean Cain and Lois and Clark. Um, this new guy in this in the Supergirl, who's now doing Superman and Lois, is gonna do a pretty good job, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but Man of Steel, I loved it. I did. I thought it was a fantastic film. Batman v Superman kind of went downhill from there a little bit. And then Justice League 2017 crashed and burned. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> I've heard really good yeah. things about the pilot to um, Superman and Lois. It looks really good because the guy who plays him does a really good job in Supergirl. Yeah, well, he's, he looks pretty good. I've seen, okay. I'm not a fan of the suit, but... Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, all, all in all, I think looking at the whole thing for me is just... I, I'm. I don't know. I'm I'm interested in seeing where they're going to go with some of the new things because, I mean, Flash is obviously going to have time travel. Whatever iteration of time travel it is, whether it's traveling or manipulating or whatever, um, we're going to be seeing it in, in the Flash movie. And that is just really exciting to finally have time traveling superhero movie, you know, like mm. an actual feature film. And right. if they're going to take pages from what just was just released with the Snyder Cut, which I really hope they do, because if, if, if WB doesn't, or whatever they're called now, are they just Warner Entertainment? Whatever they are. Warner not the Media. Warner Brothers anymore. They split, they broke up. I don't know. Um, I, I really hope they, they consider the Snyder Cut canon, you know, and they go with it. Because hmm. in most cases, the director's cut is never, is not usually considered canon in something. But they don't really, they don't generally have director's cut of series movies. Right. So I think we'll this see. should be the platform from which everything is built off of from here I, on yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. This is the blueprint. <clears throat> this movie is the blueprint for everything that they should do moving forward. This yeah. movie made me happy. Yeah. Very, very, very happy. Same. And even, <sighs> even Jared Leto as Joker in this was much better than he was in Suicide Squad, in my opinion. Oh, you know, you oh, got definitely. Rid of the, ri- the ridiculous hair, the grill, and all those uh, over-the-top tattoos. You know, get rid of all that and now just make him this crazy guy. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I do think he was trying to channel a little bit of Heath Ledger a little bit in this. I was I'm just going to sh- say that, yep. Yeah, I'm, but, you know, that, that kind of thing... I'm fine with, you know, you're never going to be able to, you know, and even Heath Ledger, there were some, you know, lines in Dark Knight where it kind of felt like he was channeling Nicholson a little bit. So that, that, that kind of thing just comes with the territory. You're always going to have that feeling. Here's the part that I'm confused about is if you go into IMDB and you Google Zack Snyder's Justice League Mm -hmm. and you look up Jared Leto, it says he's in two parts. Mm -hmm. Aside from the epilogue, where else is he in? He wasn't. Um, yeah. He was in that one part. I, I know. He was but in on IMDb, it says he's in... Because it shows, know. if you click on him, it says he's in two parts of the movie. I don't know. I watched, I watched this movie twice. Once for myself, and the second time I watched it, I took notes, and I only saw him in that one part. Same here. So. Hmm. Interesting. I will look into that. Yeah, it's definitely just the one part. That's weird. 
IMDb is weird well, sometimes I mean, with the way that they do things. Yeah. Hey, so, the fact that I'm actually on IMDb, yeah, they're totally weird. You can find me on IMDb for a short film I did a long time ago. Is there a, just a blank photo of you? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Insert photo here. All right. This was a long one. I think we're done. <laughs> yes. I thought it was a fan. Thank you for letting me come on board again, guys. Absolutely. Anytime. Yep. Well, this has been great. Thanks, you guys, so much for sticking around for this extremely long. This is probably the longest one we've released um, as far as our conversations go. We've had some pretty long conversations, but this definitely takes the cake. This is we the started this one. three hours ago, like to the minute. Yeah. So, um, wow, this will. <laughs> if you have the patience to have listened to us go through this whole movie, which should have been broken up, um, thank you. Um, I ask anybody who's listening to please uh, find us on your favorite podcasting platform, uh, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you know what, what they call it, Apple Music. Now iTunes is gone. Whatever. I, I yeah, guess I'm too old. Gone. I don't know what's hip and new. Um, any of those things, find us there. Like us, subscribe, so you can hear some stuff we're doing. Um, and yeah, just thanks for being fans. And then All share right. the podcast other other people too. Yeah. Yeah. Your friends, your, your family. Yeah. Your, right. your mailman. Milkman. Milkman. The Amazon guy. There is no more milkman. I have not seen a milkman in decades. <laughs> I found out that there is actually a buddy of ours who goes around. He, he actually gets milk at a dairy. And all these other like women uh, in, in you know, part of our church are like, oh, I, I, I called Matt and he came over and brought me some milk from that, that you know, dairy farm or whatever. Um. So, yeah, I guess he's like our local milkman. He goes and gets milk from the dairy farm and delivers it to our cool. friends. Cool. Yep. Well, All right. Goodbye. Have a good one, Bye, everybody. Guys.